Welcome to School of Everything Else. Overwatch. We are hope. We are honor. We are courage. We are justice. We are compassion. We are determination. We are harmony. We are Overwatch. With us are Neil Taylor of The Kid Dog on YouTube. Hello. Video game developer Glenn Watts. Hiya. And Jason Chewy Slate of the Manapool podcast. We're all soldiers now. Now, this is a commissioned episode and our focus is going to be about 90% on the characters and only 10% on the playing of the game itself. Mainly because I played enough over the first few months of the launch to get a feel for it and to work myself into a nice groove of not being very good at it. I'm okay, but frankly, I am a liability to any team that I'm on. If it was a deathmatch game, I'd definitely be the casual bottom frag. And I'm fine with that. What's remarkable isn't me, it's the game world and beyond luscious roster of heroes. Because not since Street Fighter II, released in 1991, have we had such a wide range of colourful characters from around the world in a game that everyone was playing. Oh, there have been similar lineups and similar games, but this one seems to hit all points the way that Capcom's genre-defining one-on-one fighter did 27 years ago, and which they have spent the best part of three decades milking. Like Street Fighter 2, we are given extremely expressive characters in vivid, memorable costumes and colour schemes, all clearly different from one another, all of whom have their stories written all over them. You can assume an awful lot about these guys and be right but that doesn't make them boring or predictable, far from it. Blizzard have strived to make each one of these guys and girls a masterstroke of self-contained visual storytelling exemplified in the accompanying shorts, of which there are still precious few. They are of an astonishing quality and subtlety for video game marketing, and that is one of the many contributory factors in this game's success. Developer brand Goodwill was another, their experience another. The major word of mouth and excitement way ahead of release was another, and their continued service and connection with the insanely enthusiastic community is how they keep going. They give you just enough story to love your characters, a bunch of additional material to go digging for, and then you get to go and play and embody these heroes on the battlefield, while everybody abandons the payload and goes charging off in an ill-governed scatter, all chasing the eye in team. Jim Sterling said something which stuck with me upon release, which is that he'd like to do deep kissing with every single character, even the robots. And that's something I mirror. Every single one of these heroes has been crafted to have a varied, zesty appeal. According to Jeff Kaplan, who, by the way, is a sarky bastard, the one unifying factor which played into their design ethic, the one thing that each of them has in common, is that they all like pineapple on their pizza. 
It is a quirk. <laughs> it is a quirk to bear in mind, but it's clearly a quirk that makes each of them, no matter how conventionally twisted, sexy as hell. And while the millions of available costumes abound, bursting out of loot crates with a 15% probability, the standard costume colours are a carefully selected series of unique combinations that make the character instantly recognisable. If I said, largely teal and hulking, with hot pink on top, you'd think of Zarya. If I said, slender orange with bright shining blue in the middle, that's Tracer. If I said green and savage with bright orange hair and electricity, you'd wonder what Blanca was doing in the game. The diversity is through the roof when compared to other big franchises with powerful females taking up 46% of the lineup. People of colour scattered throughout and just plain conventionally handsome white guys without masks of any kind relegated to McCree. And that's about it. Johnny Template is nowhere near this game. His closest equivalent is Soldier 76, a parody of the trope. The same as Reaper is a two-fingered salute to unironic, dark, violent edgelords who nonetheless love the character the best. When pressed, I'd equate it to G.I. Joe done right in a way that both recent movies and animated shows have failed to accomplish in the modern era. It is hard to imagine this same exact game being released with the Joe license instead of Overwatch and somehow doing better than Overwatch. But at its core, it accomplishes that international hero's spin that the rest of the world had to resort to when it came time to sell the real American hero in England and Japan and Korea and Brazil and Africa. What I cherish most about this game is the vision of the future it presents us with, one both optimistic and troubled, where technology is fetishised whilst the most vibrant aspects of ancient tradition are brought forward into the world of laser swords and holographic shields. It is the human race as we can be, tribal explorers with rocket packs. And somehow, despite the mayhem, Blizzard managed to make this not about murder, You can make it that way if you insist, Reaper, every round dudes. But if you're playing right, it is about protection and defense and strategy and sacrifice and shrewd decision-making and rescues and having the back of your companions. It is a scientifically advancing world that we might never reach if we fall to our basest instincts and let the regressive monsters run rampant. But I personally would love to look up and see a holographically augmented clock tower in London to be able to gaze into the night sky and spy the research laboratories on the surface of the moon, to witness mankind having birthed AI and somehow survived the initial firestorm, actually start asking themselves serious questions about the responsibility required to end this conflict and reaching out to our robot children. To know with confidence that at every instance of imbalance and abuse, there is heart and bravery and unity there to combat the darkness. Best of all is the fact that the largest portion of the fan base for this game are in their teens. This is a world for the younger generations to build. So there's 26 heroes to cover, and I'll have to move us along periodically to ensure we don't overrun, so let's start off with our favourite characters right this second, because I'm willing to bet that if you guys are like me, then we have half a dozen that we love the best, but the top spot keeps shifting. 
And of course, by all means, back up what you have to say about these guys and girls with what we learn from the animated shorts, which really are the bee's cybernetic knees. So I'll just I'll throw it out first to I'm fairly certain I know who he's going to say to Neil Taylor. Who who's your favourite uh, hero and why? And uh, do you want to sort of start us off talking about them? And bear in mind, since there's 26, uh, and we've already spent uh, nine minutes on this. <sighs> no pressure. For, like, like try and keep it to four minutes tops per character. Oh, and the work <laughs> you're making me pick my two favourites. Okay, um, well, I'm going to start my timer at five minutes, and if we can move on, then I'll uh, I'll, I'll move on. So, so what's, what's two hours? Yeah, okay, so five minutes per character, and I'll move us on if we hit the five-minute alarm. Okay, so, uh, Neil, your time starts now. So, no pressure, I'm going to have to pick May, because I oh. absolutely adore her. I adore her. She's so wonderfully cute and lovely, and she's smart, resourceful, a scientist, which is great, uh, and she probably has my favourite short out of all the animated series, mm. which also happens to contain a great nod to the thing in it. Of all, mm. of it's all got the thing and alien in there. In in that short, it really gets across her personality. It gets across the fact that she is smart and resourceful and rises to a very tough challenge that I think a lot of us would struggle with and that she connects very easily with people and when she needs to she is very very determined Mm. she's not about again she's not really about killing at all she's just a a support character who just wants to do her best for the people around her and there's a there's a gentleness and a softness and a roundness to May and I was torn between her and Hanzo for my favorite and I went with May because we just don't see her that often in you know movies and comics and 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 TV as the lead character there's a lot going for with her being the scientist of the group mm. and creating her creating her own weapon and having her little friend snowball with her who's absolutely adorable mm. he's only rivaled by Mecca and Diva because that was that was the choice I had it was Diva or May and I love them both mm. May's short is basically her deciding to science the shit out of it yeah yes that was actually a voice line they added to her later was I'm going to have to science the heck out of this nice <laughs> It's amazing how well Blizzard pack up, packs so much emotional and information into just those shorts. That mm. They do a fantastic job of establishing the character uh, in such a fully rounded way that, you know, it takes some films an entire film to do. Mm. And that's and I'm talking runtimes now of two hours, and they do it in eight minutes. They've focused, hyper-focused on being able to pack visual information in, in there. It's the way they sell her resilience that impresses me um, mm-hmm. in that short. The, uh, the the trauma that she's up against and the the fact that it does present it as something that hits her really, really hard. And then she comes back from it. Mm. And uh, as I said, the, the softness and the roundness, she is of an unconventional body type for a, for a hero. You know, you don't get the, 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 the more rounded uh, girls we're going to have to talk about deviant art and possibly even the the um, the, the hentai stuff, at so, or at least reference do we? it. I do, we don't have to. It exists. But it exists, and if you it's go a video game, it exists. looking in there, there's quite a lot of it stuff which is like it reshapes May to be more conventionally anime body size, and it's like, no, we we'll just get so rid of all of that stuff and just make her this shape. And What's it's the like, point? There's one like she's getting out of her like Inuit costume, and it's like, oh, just underneath all of this, I was just a normal anime girl. And it's like yeah, everything should be, be exactly templated. 
they seem to be under this, this apprehen- misapprehension that her coat is six inches thick. Yeah. <laughs> but look, uh, as long as in all of that fan art, she still has the adorable uh, Yeti fuzzy slippers. I'm sold. She, that a lot of them, she doesn't have much of anything. But uh... <laughs> never mind. Put it this way: May is meant to be short, and chubby, and I love her for it. Mm-hmm. And like I said, just, add, just added the, her to the game the skin that's basically her outfit from the short. The the red the, uh, like the red the red costume with the the more um, obviously hand built weapon. It was it was lovely seeing like her talk. Uh, um, it, uh, at the end of that, when Winston goes, someone has to do something, and she's got like the little white pigtails hanging down and that really evokes ancient tribal cultures and yet she's in the middle of this research station so this is what I mean about bringing the past into the future and we're kind of just sort of witnessing these two incredibly vibrant cultures meshing together it's wonderful okay so that was May Um, Chewie your favourite character at the moment well I am what you call a Junkrat man, so uh, I will stick with Junkrat. We can do Junkrat followed by Roadhog, if you want. Because, I mean, they really do go together well. Yeah, pretty well, yeah. Okay. So, uh, why do you like Junkrat? Well, okay, well, that's not the right question, because Junkrat I love from a gameplay perspective. Mm-hmm. But, since I love him so much from a gameplay perspective, the little bits that we've gotten of him in um, the few videos... He's he's like the Joker if the Joker was Australian and really loved explosions. What was, and also if the Joker was kind of an idiot. That's exactly what I said. The short <laughs> is basically the Joker and Bane. Trying to get into Gotham, but no one let them. <laughs> <laughs> I've got Jump Rat and um, Roadhog down as basically Jay and Silent Bob meets Bad Max. Nice. Oh my <laughs> I spotted God. the Jay and Silent Bob thing again uh, when I was watching it today. It's got that like because Roadhog, like, Roadhog doesn't talk much of, at all during the game, does he? He's got a few lines, but he's quiet. Yes, he's and he's understated. understated and, and, and my personal favorite. Yeah. Want some candy? <laughs> <laughs> if Roadhog's wearing his pirate costume, he'll sometimes say very very low under his breath. <laughs> very quietly so that if no, only the people that are standing right next to you will hear him say it one of my favourite pieces of deviant art of these guys was not what you're thinking was um, it was Timon and Pumbaa done up to look like uh, Rob <laughs> and, uh, um, and that yes. that I suddenly it clicked for me after seeing that I was like oh of course he's the little ratty one and then he's the big quiet one but obviously you know, Pumbaa's not particularly quiet but just that boisterousness about the two of them and uh, I, mean, I, can, I can watch a whole film about these guys. I will bring up repeatedly the fact that the fact set in stone that Blizzard need to just get moving and make a film of this re- yep. you know, throughout this show because it, it's right there, better than most of what DreamWorks and even Disney and Pixar sometimes uh, uh, can do, just in the concentrated form. And it feels like they've got enough characters that they could plan out at least a trilogy of films to, to to be released over the course of about six years. And just, you know, put them out theatrically. It's not going to hit as wide an audience as, say, the, the latest Pixar. And they will have slight difficulty in the fact that it's, it's, a, it's more violent than most kiddie fair. But, but at the same time, it's... Big Hero 6, it's not significant. It does feel like Big Hero 6. Yeah, yeah it? it's not way more violent than that. Yeah. And frankly, they need to avoid what happened with Warcraft. They waited they too long. They need to do it quick before the law gets too big to fit into a film. 
and that we were talking to Glenn actually at the time when we did the, the Warcraft film. Did the Warcraft and movie. We, yeah. we 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 all we noted that the the movie is like a very solemn reading from the Bible of Warcraft, and we're like, <laughs> right, everybody got that sequels, maybe. <laughs> But no, with this, you can have a gaggle of characters for film one, and then a whole bunch of different characters for film two, and a whole bunch of different characters for film three, and that's how you partition it out. Hint that there is going to be an absolutely massive, like, big gathering of all of them at the end of the third one, but you hint at that, and you work up to it. You make it more like your Marvel films. They've I totally got that. MCU it. Yeah. Overwatch um, kind of is the Avengers already. Yeah. Yeah. In many ways, it has they, the same kind of breakup and collapse. And yeah, music. And it, I was just well. going to say, and it nicks all the music as well. It's got it's got <laughs> Avengers and uh, a little bit of Guardians of the Galaxy in there as well. There's some Captain America mm. loitering around there. And Danny Elfman's uh, Black Beauty score from the early '90s. The da, 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 that's from Black Black Beauty. It's the Mad Max thing, but for kids and really accessible. And so Roadhog, who looks massive and intimidating, it kind of reminded me of Birdie from Street Fighter. They also feel a little bit Borderlands to me. Yes. Very much so. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of Borderlands on quite a few of the characters. If you flick through the art book, they, mm. they consciously seems pulled away from it because they realised they were getting a bit too close to Borderlands. Yeah. I'll cover that. There's another character I want to mention that about that it's not so obvious in the game that that's where they were going. McCree? Diva. Okay. Do you want to elaborate on that one? So, I guess we move on to Diva. <laughs> In the art book, Diva early on, they have her as a much younger character. So younger even than she is now, and the mechs are much more kind of junky. Mm-hmm. And they were part of the Junkertown aesthetic that were going to be in the same kind of setting, the Australian setting. Mm-hmm. And I and the drawings and the diagrams in, in the art book, she looks an awful lot like the Borderlands character Tiny Tina. Yeah, I was thinking that. Like so like grubby face mechanic type. Yeah, and it's and you, at some point you the, the book doesn't explicitly say it, but at some point you realize that's too close to something that's already there. And they had to pull and back. Understandable. We'll go and that could be in a completely different direction and we ended up with the diva that we did get. But diva's based on uh, like Korean um, esports stars, isn't she? Well, she yeah, is a Korean esports star. The, the basic backstory for Diva and the Mech Force and so on is that one of the giant Omnics that's left over from the war emerges from the bay and attacks attacks Korea every year and it's evolved. It's very Pacific Rim. Mm. And the Mech Force was basically they had was originally just drones. Mm-hmm. And then this monster that rises from the bay worked out how to jam jam the drones so they had to start using real pilots and of course they don't have any trained pilots anymore because mm. the whole system was robotic, so they went out and well who's got the reflexes? And the ability to fly these things. So last Starfighter style, they went for the e-sports essentially, crowd. yeah. Gotcha. Of the esports people, apparently one of them is an F one driver, and and so on. They give people this kind of reflexes. And Diva, of course, off the back of it, becomes a world famous movie star, and everybody loves her. And just like a Jaeger pilot, then. So as you say, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's they're definitely going for that. Nice. She reminds me a little bit of the. Um, you're going to have to tell me what she's called, but the little girl with the big robot in the Capcom. Trombon. Trombon. Yeah. yeah. I mean, this whole thing it's is not... brimming over with Capcom style. Well, it's it's made by people who grew up with Capcom games. 
And Diva has kind of goes in quite a few different approaches with the fandom have taken to Diva. Mm. You forgot the the obvious the, the things that we've already talked about with the fan the fan art, but there's also the um, the alternate creation they created, which was Gremlin Diva. Really, which is this idea that this, this, this idea it's Gremlin as in a dirty, filthy child who's and it, what they imagine a teenage esports player would actually be like. Right. So they draw her as a, a slightly poor hygiene child who's in Mountain Dew and Doritos all the time. And if you've not seen any of the fan art, that particular version of the character, it's, it's definitely something they ran with. And the game runs back with it in that they started adding things that play up to that. Right. So they added they added various emotes to Diva that referenced that side of it more. And it, Gremlin kind of, is a term I haven't uh, heard before. Is it? Does that specifically describe any bedroom-bound um, child? video games fan i think so yeah um it's i think it's possibly i don't it's, it's the name that's got attached to this particular interpretation of the character anyway i don't know if right. it comes from that she's but got yeah, that. doritos that make up the cat um whiskers on her face here kind of reminds yep. me a little bit of marceline yeah a little bit actually there's, there's, there's some mabel in there yes definitely some mabel and that yeah that's the version of the character that the fandom kind of created and then huh. blizzard in the way they do tend to interact with the fandom started feeding some of that back in so there are voice lines that are more along along that interpretation of the character so do they get um, there are voice artists who just add new lines for every time there's a, there's an update all the time all the time nice. and not just not just for the major updates sometimes they just when there's a patch that's fixing something they might throw some move some more lines in the game has a lot of incidental lines that will trigger if two particular characters are near each other Diva. And I swear, uh, I am hearing new incidental dialogue in Wanderground and Spawn Rooms before a match starts all yep. the time. Mm. That's they, they, a nice touch, when, actually, because that's a good way of keeping it fresh. And lets them build up the backstory as well between the characters. I mean, these characters, some of them used to be allies in Overwatch and work together in each other for years, and some of them are, at least in the fiction of the game, meeting for the first time. Yeah. And they're aware of each other. So Diva's aware, for example, of Lucio, mm. yeah, because they're both those famous stars and so on they ask each other for their autographs and they're the younger generation as well who weren't originally in Overwatch oop we just run out on D.Va also uh, folks look uh, for Lego D.Va Overwatch on Google Images for some really splendid little models that we put together those are impressive as hell so can I tie the the D.Va and the the Junkers together real quick yeah sure With, with a thought that applies to both it amazes me the following that D.Va as a character has and she has only shown up once briefly in an animated short mm, that's the like, original trailer wasn't it I think so yeah with D.Va I think they're taking their time I think they feel they have to get that one right mm. it's not something so. they want to rush and there's, there's, there's additional things that have come into that actually in Korea she's become a bit of a rallying icon for, for female gamers because she's a female Korean esports professional mm-hmm. and they don't really exist or at least they're not given the same opportunities that the male esports stars are and so there are plenty I think you could probably look it up I can't remember the name of it but there's at a recent there's a recent feminist rally in Korea and many of them were carrying placards with Diva on nice that's awesome if you do want to see an excellent Diva animated short uh, look up Heroes of the Storm they had Genji fighting Diablo, mm-hmm. and Diva showed up to help. And it was really awesome to see a fully 3D rendered Diva in action. Actually, I have I have seen that. I didn't even realize it was Heroes of the Storm until it said so at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a Hanzo as well recently that's quite good there. Yeah, Hanzo and Alexstrasza, that was excellent. Mm. 
the, oh, uh, uh, another word on uh, Junkrat's design. There are two major things about him which I adore and are almost like I, I feel like a quintessentially Junkrat, and like I haven't seen him elsewhere. Uh, his uh, was his metal leg because he's blown one of his legs off with all of his, his uh, explosives joy. But also the fact that his hair is always like sparked and smoking because he's setting ex- <laughs> bombs off all the time, and he's always singed he's always and burnt and a li- always a little bit on fire. That makes for an incredibly lively character, and th- the fact that they're so joyful as well. Like there's no malice in either of them at all. There's hardly any at all in this whole game. It's it's invigorating. We're supposed to, watch to believe from, that they're um, violent, truly violent, reprehensible criminals. Mm. Yet we've never seen that from them yeah it's just what we're told about them they seem too bumbling as well to to i was gonna say they do they do come across as kind of incompetent a lot of the time (laughs) then we light the fuse doesn't that tie in though with the (laughs) idea of um of the propaganda against overwatch that is kind of in world that there was a point where the government went right we don't want these guys anymore so we're going to turn against them so it's like well can you really believe anything that you're actually told about them that retroactively feels like the incredibles which then retroactively feels like Watchmen. I was just going to say Kitty Watchmen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's this kind of it's it's a natural response to people of um, uh, astonishing power all gathering in the right the same place. I'm amazed that the Sokovia Accords weren't harsher. Mm. Um, okay, so uh, next favorite character, Sharon. Uh, I'm going to go with Bastion. Bastion, okay. Um, now, while there are other characters um, that I really love the, the kind of look of, Bastion Short is the only one that made me cry. Really? None of the other ones? Really? Wow. They all made me cry. Yeah, pretty much all of them for me as well. Continue. <laughs> Seriously, today. <laughs> None of what happens to him is his fault. Mm-hmm. He's been programmed to be a certain way and it's very reminiscent of the Iron Giant that he comes across something, you know, he's, he's tried to get himself this sheltered, calm life surrounded by nature, mm. which is completely antithetical to what he is. He's a, he's a robot, he's made of metal, he's not meant to exist in that environment. Um, you know, soil and moss and rain and sun are going to destroy a robot ultimately. They're going to corrode him and, and eventually he's going to go back to the uh, the earth from whence he came. Um, but uh, he's sort of tried to carve out for himself this little niche of peace and quiet and then something happens that triggers his defence response and he can't help it, he reacts and he ends up destroying the things that he has come to love the most which is I just found that whole thing incredibly sad and sweet and the idea that after all of that he again like May has the resilience to get up and keep going mm. there's a, a comic where Torbjorn is sent after him to uh, to bring him in for the scared townspeople and uh, he works out fairly quickly this robot's different mm. and uh that there's a nice panel at the end going right we're gonna we got a long way to go and i tell you right now i ain't your friend and it's like oh they're friends already this is great <laughs> but then i think that that's partly why um i got a little bit frustrated with the actual game playing because the the match that i was in um somebody had basically set bastion up as a um, turret a, a, yeah a turret thing and i a was death just, machine i was just thinking you're messing up bastion's 
reason to be. Stop it. Let him run around and have fun. Someone actually tweeted at us just before we did this. It'll be interesting to hear. My brain has always had trouble reconciling the fairly significant lore built around the game with actual gameplay itself. Yes, Ludo Narrative Dissonance, thy name is Overwatch. Mm, yes. It's simple. There's two it literally boils down to there's two Overwatches. Yeah. There's Overwatch the game and Overwatch the world. And quite frankly, the game has nothing to do with the world. <laughs> nothing is, at that's all. That's why we're kind of focusing can't. on the world. But this is this is why it's so hard for me to engage with because I, I mean I don't do FPSs at the best of times. It feels like a brightly coloured halo. Hmm. Um and I I was Halo's never pretty brightly coloured, wasn't it? Well yeah, it, it became more it dour. More brightly coloured Halo. It became dour around about reach time. Yeah. But, uh, um yeah. Halo if you're just imagining that everybody is the red versus blue guys. Well Halo moved towards COD and COD moved towards Halo and then Destiny turned up and now we've got what's the other one? So basically everything fell Anthem. in a ditch and Anthem. got covered in mud. So now everything is everything. Yes. Enjoy. Indeed. That's why Overwatch no. stands out because it's got fun Absolutely. characters. But the gameplay itself, nice though the surroundings are. Do you know the, the best thing I liked about playing Farah mm. this afternoon was that I got to sit on the um, uh, the barricades of the, the castle. Mm-hmm. Not the barricades, the balustrades, you know what I mean. The, the battlements. The battlements. And just watch what was going on. And everything mm. was, was very nice to look at. And it was, it was That's slacking. View. But I didn't actually have to get involved. Get on the payload. <laughs> she was lobbing grenades at... Uh, I was. I did manage to make several kills. Yeah. God alone knows how. But yeah. anyway. And then you attacked... You used your your ultimate on a wall. On myself. <laughs> she, she just thundered a bunch of missiles at a small wall and yeah. then got shot in the back of the head by I someone. Did. With, uh, who had snuck up on her? It wasn't mm. very professional. But Bastion, uh, yeah, the uh, he reminds uh, that they they're deliberately evoking the Iron Giant with the whole you you know you are you are who you choose to be, mm. and there's there is something charming, uh, like you said, about the idea of a robot, the product of man's invention, interacting with nature. The idea being that man, if you remove man from the equation, as we're seeing, this is kind of like you know. Th- these two environments interacting without us mm. and it's very charming to to see peace emerge from that and the only thing that screws that screws it up is our the the, the echo of the war that we brought mm. um, and he also reminds me of uh, Laputa Castle in the Sky that the robots in that the the Ghibli film and also anyone remember Return to Oz and TikTok Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Uh, th- th- I'm cross a little older than any of you. I, I, my mind goes straight to short circuit with this one. Oh, yes. nice, of course, yeah. Yeah, he's very Johnny Five, mm-hmm. only quieter. And also, yep. if you're a comic book fan, Calibrato from Battle Chasers, who's a, a war golem created only to destroy. But we first find him, and he's picking flowers because he has grown an appreciation for nature. It's I, I can't get enough of that particular story, simple and lovely though it is. Oop, yeah. That was Bastion. I, that actually ties into, um, and I don't know whether you want to move on to him next, you certainly don't have to, but uh, Winston is kind of the, the opposite of that. He is Let's go to Winston. Um, this big, muscly product of nature who has fully embraced the science. Yep. Go okay, on. wait a minute, wait a minute. There's, there's one more thing about Bastion that has to be said. Okay. He has... A character with no facial expressions and no dialogue with a bird has more character than main characters in so many games. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It, because... His voice work is done by, well, what voice work he has is done by Chris Metzen, who's one of the senior character lead 
be vice presidents at Blizzard. They get him in the studio, get him to make noises and run it through lots of filters. Same as they did with Ben Burton and R2-D2. Yeah. Yeah. He, he also strikes me as a nice uh, poster child for uh, PTSD. Yeah. Yes. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But it's, it's amazing how much expression you can get from the simple act of a thing that looks like an eye mm. turning from blue to red when you don't want it to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Winston. Little monkey guy. Uh, He's a scientist. There's so much of what the shorts give us are so accessible to children. Lyra is in love with these shorts. Like every single one that she she got to see, she just ate it up. Um, and they, they really know how to like get you on side immediately with the character. So let's start. Winston might be quite scary to kids as he is. So we'll show him goofing around, eating bananas and, uh, and peanut butter. Now let's show him as a little baby monkey. The interaction between the, him and this perfect father, who's gentle and kind. And just makes you ache and wish that you could have had that kind of experience and that kind of mentor character. And it makes you immediately think of what kind of good person Winston must be inside because he's got this. It passes it on. So you kind of defer that to, uh, to, to the adult version of Winston. And yet he's unsure of himself and he's, he's, all, he's kind of messing up. So the character of an ape who is self-conscious he reminds me of Beast as well oh totally yeah. the, the fact that in certain lights he is almost constantly blue I don't think that was an mm-hmm. incident yeah. there, there's a reason why Winston was like your first port of call when it's like right we're sitting down to start playing Overwatch and, and he's the guy drawing everyone together and he looks so strange like there's no place for him so he is Overwatch like this super powerful super intelligent ape that shouldn't be and yet is trying to help He's the heart of the organisation. He's the only one who still really believes in it long after it's been disbanded. Yeah. And that's uh, possibly partly because he has nowhere else to go. He's stuck, at, he's stuck at Watchpoint Gibraltar, I was decommissioned facility, and he can't really integrate. He's neither a human or an Omnic. There's nowhere for him. I was checking uh, everyone's uh, point of origin and uh, which country they came from. I got one for absolutely everyone apart from Bastion, because he was just made in a factory, and, and that doesn't necessarily give him allegiance to that factory and, and tell you much about the culture of that factory and Winston, I've just put in brackets the moon because mm-hmm. he has been informed upon more by the science station there than any part of ape culture he might have come from but that makes Winston and Bastion um, similar kind of positioned characters because they're looking in on humanity from the outside neither of them are a part of it Winston is totally separate and the overview of it, and mm. Bastion is representative of its complete opposition. Mm. We still don't really know what happened to Winston to bring him from the moon down to Earth. Mm. That map, the, the Horizon Lunar Colony map, was only added relatively late last year. Yeah. And there are some, there's a lot of environmental storytelling in the maps in Overwatch that kind of gives you an idea of what happened in <laughs> I those don't places. I want to play the game to find that stuff out. <laughs> I know. But what a pain. There's an implication that there were multiple apes at the facility and they revolted. Something happened, which then caused the scientists to not be there anymore and leave the apes behind, perhaps. Nice. Well, the vibe I got was that the apes actually like turned on them and they had to escape. And Winston escaped with them, didn't stay with his ape brothers. Yeah, I don't know it? if he was still there at that point. I don't know if that's ever been touched on, but... no. No, they, 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 it's one of those things in the 
all of the characters have holes in the backstory that they may or may not choose to fill later mm. but there's a on the wall of horizon in one of the start points there's a, a tracker that sort of tracks where everybody is that's in where all the apes are and it says that Winston is not present and all of the others are marked as being in part of the facility somewhere else from where the, the action is taking place. So, who knows? Mercy. I love Mercy. Yeah. She she was my she was my first blog. I know probably the one Alex thought I was going to pick first, but I've been playing a lot of May. It's usually because they keep messing with Mercy at the minute because she was kind of a little bit uber powerful. You're kidding me. They completely changed her power set and the new power set they gave her turned out to be just as broken as what she had before. Right. Yeah. What was broken in mean, before? It was the Team Resurrect, wasn't it, that most yeah. people had a problem yeah. with. Her ultimate was basically where she resurrected and healed everyone. She's a fantastic character to go digging in. It's really weird that she's actually in the fight because she's technically a medic, a doctor. So, you know, do she, no she's harm. Not a, she's not a conscientious objector, though. She's carrying a pistol. She's quite happy to use it. I love her design. I love the fact that she has got a singular purpose of healing and it's... You know, if you're not into the whole trying to get the kills thing, Mercy's a really good option because running around healing people or upping their damages was a, a lot of fun. Uh, and I really enjoyed doing that. And the ability to resurrect could, and this is why I got nerfed, turn the tide of a match. Because, you know, you can be all defending the point. Uh, the team goes down, but you've got an ulti, you pop an ulti, and your team's back up. So... Plus, it, it, if you make her too strong, then you stick in a target right on her head. And mm. this was one thing that I was kind of... The whole concept of having a purely healing character... That With a gun. Everybody is trying to kill feels wrong. Mm. Why, why would you? <laughs> it's not really the Geneva Convention. It's like, yeah, exactly. Speaking <laughs> of on- which, by the way, um, it's very appropriate that she's from Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Well, they're not Geneva. Well, <laughs> she's yes. She's from the, Ger- anybody- the German-speaking part. Well, indeed. But the flag. It's a white cross on a red background. You're not actually allowed to use the red cross in a video game anymore. So what do they have for med packs? Close, but not quite. A lot yeah. of the time. So a lot of people go with a kind of more first aid kit, white on green. Right. Yes. Oh, yeah. Over white. I can't believe what actually uses. Hmm. Yeah, they're not obviously red crosses, though. One little bit of Mercy, which I absolutely adored in one of the uh, short teaser trailers that came out just before the game launched. And it was the, you know, we are bravery, we are uh, courage, we are justice. And it ends on we are Overwatch. And I can't remember what Mercy's is, but it's when she it's goes into... We are compassion. Mm-hmm. And it's just when she goes into... Uh... Oh, God damn it! come on. Just thinking about, like, a single frame of a trailer. Come on. She goes in to, to rescue a small child from the rubble. Yeah, she's, like, reaching towards the camera. Yeah. And, you know, there's a very significant reason why she is an angel uh, for this being a protecting and healing and holy character. More importantly, in her alternative costume, she's either a Valkyrie or Sig- Sigrund? Sigrund? No, 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 sure, I'm sure. She's a Valkyrie. So yeah. mm-hmm. it also fills in the whole ferrying the warriors but also being a, a, a terrific fighter herself yeah it plays into the excellence of the character design here in that you've got something we in video games I'll be called silhouetting yeah the idea is that you should be able to tell from the silhouette of a character which character it is and in the very best games what that character might do just from a very very quick millisecond glance at them yeah and Overwatch nails it no character looks even remotely the same as any other, and you can always tell what you're looking at. Yeah. Um, and Mercy's wings are a large part of that's the healer. That's obviously the healer. 
particularly if you played Diablo, she's using a lot of the imagery that's from that. The, the angel characters in Diablo look very similar to that. They, they mention the art, but they're referring to a bit of their own heritage there as well. That goes back to um, Greek myth as well. When Hope comes out of the bottom of Pandora's box, she has snowy white wings and she heals all the hurts by brushing them with her wingtips. Mm. The silhouetting has been going on for a, a long time um, back to Star Wars, where um, when they designed all Chewbacca and Vader and Luke and Han and Leia and 3PO and R2 and the Stormtroopers, they all look very different in silhouette and, they, and you could pick them all out of a, uh, a lineup. Just as the Star Wars you know, f- character roster increased, it might become difficult to tell Weequay from Nikto. But it's always kind of abided. And with New Century, and uh, I know I mentioned it every episode, but uh, with my character design there, it was like every time I, we create someone new, I just pull all the colour out and turn them into a silhouette and go, do I know who I'm looking at here? Is it clearly defined? Would someone go, ah, that's an unusual character type that I have not seen anywhere else? And I actually drew... Uh, in more recent years, a lot of inspiration from Overwatch, especially when it came to colour. As I said earlier, with regards to Zarya, there's this kind of... like Each character gets a primary colour and a secondary colour for, for detail. But that means that you can keep mixing all of these up and... and while they all have all of these different costumes, like no two characters share the exact same colour scheme. Mm. That's something that really makes the game stand out because... There aren't many characters outside of Overwatch who share these uh, same colour schemes with a lot of them. Mm. I, I was going to say with regards to the, um, the silhouetting, the, the slight negative of that is that in storytelling of this nature it can sometimes feel a little bit stereotypy mm. because you're using shorthand that you want um, young children and um, people who aren't wildly familiar with this kind of game to get quickly. Um, yeah. and, and sometimes that can mean that you do teeter on the edge of, of using tropes that are getting a bit blunt. But the colour schemes is what keeps it out of that, I think, because mm. it, it just gives it that... that They're not just relying on shapes and... Um, and, I, I mean, I'm talking, like, really simple stuff, like your big built-like-a-tank guy is your... Tank. Reinhardt. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It, and, and like I said, it's, I'm not sitting here saying this is bad and nobody should do it by any means. If you're meaning to communicate character types very quickly, it's perfect. Hmm. Um, but the colours give you that visual flair that makes it feel a bit less like that stock-in-trade character set. Hmm. One or two of the characters do kind of are a little too close to being stereotyped for me. Hmm. They're not all perfect. No. Examples? Uh, let's talk about Widowmaker. Okay. Widowmaker is, well, the femme fatale, and that's really all they've done with her so far. She's in a lot of the shorts, but she's not really in them. Mm. You don't get much about her. All of the thing I might have most when, when they have Widowmaker in these is the, the part in Wreck-It Ralph, where Ralph says to, says to the sergeant, he's asking about Calhoun, he says, well, what's wrong with her? He's like, she's been programmed with the most tragic backstory. Mm. And that's kind of where Widowmaker sits. She's got a tragic backstory. We've not been shown it, and it doesn't feel like it means anything. There was a a, a lovely little panel in uh, one of the comics where Winston was alone at Christmas and sort of checking on what everyone was doing, and Widowmaker is just standing by her husband's grave. She's got a dead family, and then they took her and they turned her into a living weapon, so she's basically female Wolverine. 
and that La Femme Nikita yeah or, yeah indeed La Femme Nikita Gamora or, yeah Gamora and, and it's it's not like it's not been done before in Black Widow there, there's room for them to expand on that to give her hidden depths that go beyond pain it's just that at the moment she feels not very nuanced compared to the rest hmm. that's one of the reasons I quite liked that skin that you got in the loot box today mm-hmm because it, it makes her look very different to the way her character type has been put forward. Ooh, which, which one? I didn't actually get it in the loot box. I got Symmetra's skin, uh, but I was we were looking at Widowmaker skins and going, oh, only 10,000... Uh... Oh, was that... Sorry, <laughs> yeah. I thought that was one of the no. ones that you, um, yeah. you picked up. I don't really want to talk about the loot boxes. What I will say is Overwatch did it massively successfully, so it's probably justifies it being a punching bag for this concept but I remember it being the most overt and obnoxious and I don't really want to buy loot boxes with real money way before Overwatch in Mass Effect 3 and whenever people talk about loot boxes no one ever says Mass Effect 3 they were so busy bitching about the ending that no one ever said hey and that loot box system felt a little bit off didn't it (laughs) Yeah, we can only be incensed about one thing at a time. I think you know it, it infuriates <laughs> me less because I just I, it never crossed my mind to actually buy them. But um, if they do tip the uh, game in the favour of the Battlefront ones in particular, if they do tip the game in favour of the rich. That's buying your way to uh, uh, success, which of course the rich are used to. It's it's not something I've particularly wanted to attack Overwatch over, but. It's there, and it can get quite obnoxious, especially when it comes to like limited edition skins that will never come out after this. And there's there's a pressure there, like with the summer games ones and the Halloween ones. You know, there is of course the argument that it's just cosmetic, and for those games, it's okay. But all of this, regardless of specific impact upon the balance of the game, has fed into a culture of unhealthy preoccupation with digital items. It's far worse in economies where this stuff can be traded and those user-driven marketplaces play host to obscene price gouging. There was a chance a few years ago that the most recent generation would actually be the one to leave a traditional weakness for gambling behind in the analog dust. But you only have to jump on YouTube for a few minutes and have the ads for various gambling websites forced on you to see very familiar and simple Skinner Box video game mechanics in action, insidiously implemented to part children from real currency. It's everything wrong with Las Vegas, built to look like an EA game, or fucking Candy Crush and aimed at the great-grandchildren of those old folks pulling on one-armed bandits still to this day, rotting away in Vegas. It's a fucked situation, and it needs serious addressing, because right now, exploitation of children, especially those into mobile and PC gaming, is still way too easy, and at both the level of low-end garage coders and multi-billion market giants who should know better, it's feeding addiction habits in a genuinely unhealthy and difficult-to-counter way. Oh, won't somebody please think of the children? Rant over. So she was working for Talon, and then Talon, like... Brainwashed her, made her kill her husband, something like that. Yeah, it's it's a, it's all a bit meh. Yeah. And a bit, like, as, as I say, a bit La Femme Nikita. They're borrowing too much. Well, since we're in this territory already, Reaper. Edgelord himself. Yeah. Um, 
I like the idea that um, uh, that he's connected to Soldier Seventy Six. He's connected connected to Anna, and they ha- they have that kind of like we were the OG Overwatch going on. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the character manifests in game is very obnoxious, and um, I, I, it, it bores and tires me to see Reapers charging around on the battlefield, gunning everybody down. It feels like they needed to make this concession to that kind of player. But he's basically Kylo Ren without the raw talent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, he's he's, he's what got happens raw when talent. When, when he hits Y, get the fuck out the way. <laughs> die, 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 die. <laughs> oh, for God's sake. Yeah. He does have the best, I... da- the best of the dance emotes. When all the characters got dance emotes, Reaper is basically him standing at the back of the club tapping his foot in time to the music. Nice. <laughs> Having a Which is too cool. Life. Too cool to dance. I only go to Reaper when I've had enough of Reapers. No. It's like, no, I've lost my temper. That's it. You want to show? Like, you want to go? Let's go. <laughs> see, no. I can really see his dance emote being the the dark the elf from um, World of Warcraft, and this. What's the name of the guy that uh, Jonathan Coulton did the song about? The zombie. No, no, no. Satirius Johnson. Yes. Right. <laughs> Okay. Under that cloak, he's Satirius Johnson. Oh, there was a Twitter account that was just called Reaper Names, and it was just yes. screen caps of every single person that has ever chosen Reaper a lot, and they all have names like Deadly Psycho 93. So here's a selection of the gamer tags that gravitate towards Reaper. Goth Boy 6, Phase and Dreams, I Slay Dragons, Decaying Sanity, Bruh. Unemotional, Lifespain, Dreamwolf, Futanari Porn, Kick in Your Ass, Alucard, Death from Dad, Reborn Slashers, Freak Parade, Burnt Pop Tarts, Innocent Sin, Hatred Loves You, Dark Power Demon, Dingle Donger, Shade Slayer, Teabag for Two, AK 47 RIP, World Breaker, Darkness. 443 Shotgun Jesus I play naked Necro Nemesis Nexus of Death I hate my life Rage Hammer Corrupt Soul I like wieners Suicide Baby Hate Kill Teletubby Mom Dank Force 5 Face Pubes Love Sucks Feces Sniffer <laughs> Skull Kid Venom Lord Nixon Relentless Pain, Tetris God, Dark Extreme, Reaping Death, and probably my favourite, Don't Fear The. Nice. And, you know, Super Killer 97, and like, you know, Payload Death Lord 2002, and it's like, how fucking young are these children gunning me down? <laughs> I was going to say, none of them are like 89 or lower. <laughs> But, One um, thing I will say about Reaper that might sort of make it more amusing for you: look up the comic uh, Reap Field, as in Garfield. Oh, someone's someone's basically done a comic where they've replaced Garfield with Reaper. Well, he hates not only Mondays but Tuesdays, <laughs> Wednesdays, Thursdays. It, it's like, it's like how yeah, I can see that working because it's like how Soldier Seventy Six has become Dad. Yeah, yeah. Get Reap, off Reaper's, my lawn. Reaper or rather Gabriel, as he was before, is. Mm one of the more important characters in the story but again yeah. we've not seen that part of the story yet 
it, it feels like he he ran Blackwatch, which was the secret Black Ops part of Overwatch. It's part of the reason why the public turned against them, and he survived. Everyone thinks he's dead, and he's not. And he's now head of Talon, which is the terrorist group that Widowmaker's part of. And it's, it's there; they just they've, they've given us bits of it, but not given us much of it. It seems like if we do get a movie, he's going to be antagonist number one, just to sort of like underpin the film with, you know, I was doing what I was told to do. They needed a villain, so I gave them me. Although it would be incredibly amusing if he thinks he's antagonist number one. He's basically off to the side doing that while other people are doing the villaining. Mm. Um, so we can move to Soldier 76 if you guys want. Yep. Yeah, as much as I enjoy the the hints of Reaper's backstory we've gotten, like it's only interesting in that it relates to uh, Morrison and Anna. Hmm. He so, is not an interesting character yeah. in and of himself. Yeah, no. Yeah, which I think is probably beings. the point. Yeah. Like, although, did you see his BMX skin? It's so rad. <laughs> <laughs> he does get some quite good skins. Hmm. Okay, I have to look that one up. <laughs> It was from uh, this year's Summer Games event. Yeah, it's called Biker, I think. Is there a little bit of a dynamic between the three of them? Um, It's... I'm probably seeing this where it is not, but, like, the comedian and... um, (laughs) Sally Jupiter and... uh, Oh, Night Owl? Night Owl. uh, A little little bit. They they, they imply that... um, Reaper and Soldier 76 and Anna were all soldiers in the Omnic War, and then when Overwatch was formed, Reaper was passed over for command in favour of Soldier 76. Hmm. So you've got that little bit of jealousy in there. It's Soldier 76, he's holding me back! Yeah. He's jealous! Yeah, it's charming. Um, although, actually, his pumpkin look for the Halloween thing was actually pretty awesome. But uh, again, in an earlier comic, you find out that that's just uh, he has a talent for making Halloween costumes way before he became Reaper. What? Sharon's laughing. I've broken Sharon. What? The biker skin broke me. Good grief. See? See? It's <laughs> so rad. What is it, Sharon? It's not even vaguely related to this. It's that look at all the fucks I don't give. Look at the mannequin. <laughs> 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 I had to bleep that. I'm trying to keep this child accessible. Okay, so, uh, but yeah, come on, talk about Jack, Soldier 76. The guy who's yeah. voiced by Fred Tattashio, sounding like Lance Henriksen. So he's basically, what if Captain America got old and cynical? Yes. So yeah, He's had the same background. They've given him the same super soldier serum stuff. I get that. And made him fight all these wars, and somehow he survived it, but everyone thinks he's dead. And... He's trying to find a reason to carry on. Back to G.I. Joe, there's actually quite a lot of Duke in him as well, especially in his yeah. character design. He kind of looks like a, an old, grizzled version of Duke. Not specifically the Channing Tatum Duke, but um, like the, the old real American hero version of him. From the Larry Hammer comics, yeah. 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 Um, and actually, if you look at the Sigma Six figures, which, by the way, seem to have very much inspired a lot of Overwatch uh, characters, uh, the, the Duke figure looks quite a lot like uh, Soldier 76. Um, I, I loved his short again, uh, the uh, the one with uh, Los Muertos and the, uh, the the little girl. Where he's Batman. Yeah. Well, I, well, actually more Red Hood, but yeah. Yeah, he's kind of a, a Batman-y Punisher. I said I said to to Lyra like uh, yes, yeah, so Lyra said so he's basically Batman. I said yeah, Batman who kills. So and she said so the Punisher. And I said yeah, Batman who kills but doesn't torture people maybe. Red Hood. Yeah, 
Red Hood. But I mean, Red Hood's not above a bit of torture. The Thomas Jane Punisher. Yes. The one who joke tortures <laughs> you with a popsicle. Tells you he's punishing you, but exactly. actually just yeah. stabbing nice. you with an ice. The classy Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> The trouble is, he's a character I'd never gravitate to gameplay-wise. He's 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 not. He's there for finding defeat. Uh, he's tutorial guy. He's literally yeah. the first character mm. that makes you play in the tutorial. He is Doom guy. He's Quake guy. He's Call of Duty. Yeah. Guy if you play the first-person shooter before, yeah. you'll get this guy straight away. Yeah, from a gameplay perspective, he is the the bridge between Call of Duty type games mm. and Overwatch type games. So you see this guy. Oh, he's got a rifle. He's got a run, and he has a rocket launcher. Oh, I know how to play this guy, and he's your your entry point. Hmm. And his story, like Alex said, is all of the old soldier tropes all yeah. rolled into one. It's and, kind of a they, parody. They put fun at it enough times, yeah. yeah. It's kind of a parody, but at the same time, there is a seriousness uh, under the, underpinning it to the character. So I suppose that kind of that that works best in that it's it's. It's far better to make it fun and then go, no, but actually seriously underneath that, that he is a guy and he has been in pain, than to set out and try and be way too serious and then try and fun him up a little bit. I suppose that's, that's I think, what, what they did with Reaper. Well, that's what the, the sort of the fans have done with him. That's why he's like, Soldier 76 is depicted in as a lot of cartoons as like the dad character, yeah. which actually works really well. I mean, have you seen Grillmaster76 skin? It's making fun of all of those dad tropes. <laughs> so this is this is what your older guys are playing. Yeah. With the, the name tags that say 76 at the end. Like, he's got a voice line that says, I'm not your father. He's got another one that says, get off my lawn. Like, he, <laughs> fun he, he does that. need the voice line, I'm getting too old for this shit. Yeah, Grillmaster76 looks like he's he's got a, both a barbecue on and he's fixing a car. Yeah, and he's wearing uh, sandals with socks because... Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Again, classy. The epitome he has of my dads. Looking at he this, has my absolute favourite bit of bit of Overwatch trivia is based on his original character design. Mm-hmm. He's the oldest character. He was designed in 1998 mm-hmm. by Chris Metzen while he was at high school. Nice. Yes. There's, in the art book, you've got the original doodles and sketches that he was doing an art class when he was at school. I've just found somebody uh, cosplaying uh, Grillmaster76 at the MCM <laughs> Glasgow. He's just walking around with a uh, uh, an apron on, a Hawaiian shirt, a Nerf gun, a face mask, and a can of uh, Sprunt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. He's um, often depicted in the fan art with Gremlin Diva, leading her around the super. Yes. Oh, yes. nice. Buying her a Mountain Dew for her. Explaining why there's six hot dogs in the pack and four buns. Oh, actually, he does have an arm strap with these various beers uh, attached to it. That makes sense. <laughs> Um, yeah, his healing pod in that uh, in that skin is actually a drink, and when he drops it, he says, "Anyone want some cold refreshment?" <laughs> oh, actually, there's another pick of two cosplayers, and there's uh, he's he's telling Diva, this young girl dressed as Diva in the cosplay, to not touch his beers. He's giving her the old waggy finger. Uh, another thing I don't get is still no action figures. I mean, there's. Uh, you've got the nerd droid ones, which are really expensive, and they do their Figma line because I know me and Glad were both eyeing up the Tracer one, but they've, yeah, they've not they've not done an action figure line that you would target at a Toys R Us. Yeah, they've done an action figure line that you target at Forbidden Planet. Yeah, the closest they've done is literally the pop vinyls, which I own quite a few of now. 
I've got the D one on my desk at work, but that's the only one I've got. Like I said, uh, um, I'm remembering the old Sota Street Fighter figures, which are just so fantastic, and they really like they they brought the game characters to life, uh, and it just feels like that could. It's a license to print money. What are you doing, Blizzard? <laughs> Um, there's a guy called Jesse Cox who does a lot of videos, and I really like the guy. He's a guy I go to when I'm not when I'm feeling low. He's just very cheerful videos. Really nice guy. Background of uh, his office, he has a he's got a World of Warcraft thing. He's got a Starcraft thing, and just recently he got this m- the most amazing diva statue. I went to look. I went, no, I can't afford or justify that price, and walked away. But it was like a it's like a three foot high statue. It was like oh, one hundred of dollars. It's yes. It, it just, yeah, it just so feels like build collectibles. They don't build toys. Yes, that's, that's kind of that, where they are. It feels like it's a market that they just aren't tapping. Same as with the movie, um, or, or, or uh, they could feasibly do a TV show on Netflix. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a very strange, a very protective IP. Their IP, you don't you don't mess with Blizzard ever. <laughs> Somebody uh, said a very. Yeah, pointedly, that there is less incentive to make a Call of Duty movie because it would make a certain amount of money, and if it sucked, it would actually weaken the brand. Uh, whereas if they just keep making games, they can just you know keep serving this smaller audience who will pay more money for each instalment. Uh, so that 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 would be why uh, that we don't see more video game movies just you know going you know being put out there. But there is that whole well, why don't you just make a good one? <laughs> <laughs> We're still waiting on that one, to be fair. Yeah, still waiting. It, it might happen. Hanzo and Genji, two of my favourites. Um, specifically Hanzo. Uh, originally cast as Bow Ninja and Sword Ninja. And uh, then they worked out that there was going to be some sort of relationship between the two of them. This is where the uh, the Snake Eyes Storm Shadow thing comes in. But there is... It's so much more... There's a closeness between them, which obviously Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow don't ever really have in any version that I've uh, seen or read. Uh, they're, they're kind of brothers, but they don't have that, uh, no other word, way to put it, love. The uh, the fact that they've been brothers for a, a long time, they both became ninjas, then uh, one of them slew the other for, uh, for what he felt at the time was a good reason, and then uh, regretted it for a, a hell of a long time until he found out that he was actually a cyborg ninja still an average relatable everyday story and one lifted wholesale from the Grey Fox storyline of Metal Gear Solid but the uh, the Twin Dragons uh, short is one of my absolute favourites Genji is very connected with all the characters as well but not your mains um, Mercy healed him mm-hmm. and Senyata taught him the way yeah yeah. He, this in the Uprising storyline he appears briefly in that introduction as he's training Tracer mm-hmm. but he's got a kind of like a half-built version of the cyborg rig in that one. Mm. And the, the impression they're given is that he was part of Black Watch, the Black Ops group, mm-hmm. and he was angry because of what had been done to him. And and when Overwatch disbanded, he went to the monks and started training with Zenyatta and has found inner peace. And that's why in the short, he comes back and says, reveals himself to his brother and says, I forgive you, because he's gone on that journey of self-discovery and returned. And it's the, the, the trope of the sword-wielding samurai has been done so many times that the, that the fact that Hanzo relies on a bow kind of makes him unusual in, in samurai ninja uh, iconography. It was like something I actually discovered the only reason I didn't know, which is that the samurai, the, the bow was considered the weapon to use. Hmm. That, was, that was the weapon that you trained in, that was the weapon that you got most kudos for being an expert in, and that if you got into sword fights, you'd 
It's because you weren't very good with the bow. Yeah. You let your enemy get too close. Hmm. And technically, he would be Ronin more than yeah, Samurai. Of course, yeah. They definitely that in that Twin Dragons. Uh, well, I don't know if that's an actual Japanese legend that it tells, but it's, it just fits perfectly, and I just like the way it all the symmetry plays together, and it's a fantastic short. Even to the point where I think that's one of the few shorts where you actually see the characters use their ultimates as well. Hmm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I think you see Soldier Seventy Six use his in his, but yeah, they they use the. It's definitely they make a big thing as these are what these characters do that's one of the last shorts that was released before the game was released mm. yeah. the, so it's kind of the last of the scene setting ones the dragon imagery kind of reminded me of the two older brothers in Legend of the Four Kings it reminded me a little bit of Avatar as well um, with um, Iroh and the um, the twin dragons that Aang and uh, um, Zuko have to harness to, to get, get their firebending uh, in, in harmony and it had this has an air of authenticity and again takes this sense of tradition ancient tradition bringing it into the future and um you know it, it kind of zooms past us as we sit in the present watching these two worlds collide aha so i just looked it up the narrator for the dragon short was in fact uh Kari hiroki tagawa hiroyuki tagawa shang Tsung. oh <laughs> nice from of from course. the movie Shang Tsung and Hayachi. Yes. yes. He's, he's, he's played quite a lot of video game back guys. We watched, I thought I recognised the voice, but I just now looked it up. That makes me happy. We watched uh, a bit of the Street Fighter animated... Street Fighter 2 animated movie uh, earlier today, and Lyra said, why does Ryu sound like an American man? And it didn't occur to me until I thought of, of um, Hanzo, and I just thought, oh, of course. So Ryu's like... Hey, come on, come over here, kid. You know what do you got? What do you got going for you? And it's like, well, okay. So, what does Ken sound like? Hey, Ryu, I'm Ken. I'm basically Michelangelo, dude. And at no point <laughs> does anyone actually sound Japanese. And it didn't. What? What? She's like. You keep making Don't this worry, face me whenever I do the Japanese voice. Like it's racist or something. It is a deeply respectful voice. I know. You mm. have shamed me. The problem with Ryu is that it always said that he was Japanese, but he wasn't. He was a white dude. <laughs> Here's Ken, an American man, talking to Ryu, a Japanese man. Hey, girlfriend, why don't you throw more punches? Might break a nail, huh? Wooga, wooga, wooga. Why? What are you accusing me of, sloughing off? Just kidding. Gosh, you're so sensitive. <laughs> hey, not bad if you're planning to fight old ladies. Here's Guile, an American man, talking to Ryu, a Japanese man. Are you Ken Master's friend, Ryu? That depends. Who wants to know? Captain Guile, operative with United States Air Force. I'm Ryu, but what's this about Ken? Your friend's been abducted by a crime organization called Shadow Law. What do you mean, abducted? And their ultimate plan is to turn him into a terrorist. That's ridiculous. There's no way he could ever become a criminal. They're subjecting him to a form of mind control. Ken is not a terrorist. Damn, Bison had me tailed! And here's E Honda, a Japanese man, talking to Ryu, a Japanese man. Hey man, half this money is yours. Money? Cash, my man. I might have lost a fight if you hadn't been around. <laughs> Here, keep it. Japanese fighters stick together. Cause we're brothers! <laughs> No anime. Like watch, later, watch Assassin's Fist. If the live action that was essentially I, a fan, a fan made thing. Watch that. that. Yeah, the the Machinima did. Yeah, 
Yes, I was about to say the first time, okay, other than the terrible movie that I saw him being uh, not a white dude was Assassin's Fist. Hmm. And it was brilliant. <laughs> it's obviously a fan movie. It's obviously made fairly on the cheap, but they get the characters more than anything else that's been done with Street Fighter in film, period. Legend of Chung Lee. <laughs> Don't even go there. Don't go there. All of the uh, Street Fighter media tends to have focused on Ryu Ken Guile, Chun Lee, uh, and uh, the the Overwatch media is notable for covering loads of different characters, and it seems to be proceeding apace rather than just like, hey, we've got McCree, he's our main guy. You know, the, the white American, totally normal cowboy dude. <laughs> Zarya uh, from Russia, one of my favorite character designs. I can't stand playing her. I get killed immediately and this gun's yeah, just wimpy. Her out. And super, every, super every time I mention it, it's like, well, you're playing Zarya wrong. I know I'm playing her wrong. I get killed before I can learn how to play her right. Talk to Mr. Garrity. Of course. Uh, Josh, but- Joshua Garrity is a Zarya main. Really? Oh, yes. He's I would not have guessed good. that about him. He's good with it. The, the look of her, the, the fact that she's a muscular woman and she's still, like, got this real, like, vibrancy to her. They haven't, like, sexied her up, but she is incredibly... What's the word? It's not... Attractive. Striking? Yeah, she's she's got this striking kind of, like, bold audaciousness about There's her. There's a draw about her. But at the same time, she's, you know, she's, if you read it in the comics, she's actually a major robot racist. She hates them because they killed her village. And um, she's, you know, very keen on serving Mother Russia. So to that degree, she is a stereotype. But... It'll, and it also seems like she might be Zangief's daughter, but um, Colossus is. Yeah, I think she's a weightlifter by trade. I think they. Yeah, is her back. Is her background? Yeah, like right before her final whatever that would crown her as a champion or an Olympic gold or something, the Omnix attacked and she left and joined the military immediately. Mm. So there's a sense of she's they, the war has robbed her of something. Yeah. I don't Beyond. think so, no, because she well, she did it on purpose. Like, she yeah. just left. She's like, right, I have more important things to do. Except she I, said it like this. Yeah. And I think in the story of the moment, Russia is actually still technically fighting the Omnics. Yeah. I think they have to be, I think that's one of the only places where the, the war is effectively still going on. It's one of the inciting incidents in Winston's video the, in the, when you intro the game. They keep cutting to the, uh, the shots of the palace with the sort of um, robots walking around outside it. Is that because Russia's so big it took them that long to get to anywhere that they could do damage? Maybe. But yeah, they, 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 the, um, the Sombra short, again, is referencing that. Yeah. The fact that the, the war is still very active for Russia. It's still a thing that's happening to them right now. So you can sort of see Zarya's point. Yeah. But also, she is a racist. Yeah. But I suppose it's kind of like uh, your favourite from Mass Effect, uh, Neil. Ashley. Yeah. Everyone pegs her as a racist. No, she's just... If you talk to her, she's not racist. She has reasons, and you go through it. And she, by the... Obviously, when she comes back, she has changed her opinions by now. I'm one of the few people that will stand up for Ashley Williams. It's really weird. (laughs) You can still have reasons and be a racist. I never find her a racist. I think she's Mm. more... I think xenophobic would be better. Wait, mm. is that right? Xenophobic means dislike of or prejudice against people from other countries. Yes, that's right. And I think with Zaya, we've just not seen enough yet. Yeah, we're, we're going you by the few the few appearances she's had and the voice line snippets she get in the game, where she's very derogatory. And but again, she's, comic, she's not been in anything yet. In the the comic, what's it called? Searching, which yeah. you guys might have missed, or at least Neil might have missed, because it's one of the more recent ones. Hmm. When she's searching for uh, Sombra, 
you know, of course, uh, wacky hijinks ensue. She gets paired up with an Omnic, right? <laughs> and she agree. Uh, she explains that, you know, she grew up on the front, and that her entire life the Omnics have been the bad guys. Mm. Like they're what's trying to kill her, and her country. So, it's. I don't think it's necessarily racist. Racism always seems like a choice to me. And I don't yeah. think Zari has ever been given the option to not hate Omnics. Racism shows its ugly face in many aspects of humanity. It's present in individuals who have had negative experiences with the cultures they dislike, but more often than not, racism is taught. Passed down from father to son, from generation to generation, like syphilis. It's endemic to the system, culturally ingrained, dates back millennia, and has been used by leaders since the first human tribes to stir up hatred of the other and justify taking what's theirs, exploiting, enslaving, and killing them. As with any crime, look to who benefits from the hate between two peoples in this case, and you will find who has a vested interest in keeping that hatred alive. But uh, the, throughout the course of that story, uh, he says that he feels compassion for the fact that she's uh, suffered at the hands of robots, although he doesn't like her prejudice. And she says, your compassion is just programming. And he says, so humans haven't been programmed too. There's a lot of things that suggest that Zaria is on a path you know, towards a level of acceptance, much like Ashley, if you are a good version of Shepard, eventually grows to embrace other species. Uh, so again, that's a character who could be a great like move like in a movie when you got a dirty dozen scenario going on. Zarya's little arc could be to just sort of maybe stick her in with Zenyatta. That would actually be quite fun because Zenyatta's so chill. Yeah, we could do Zenyatta she, now if you want. She has some good interaction with Orisa. Oh yeah, yeah. That's true. Actually, yeah, she uh, yeah because Orisa being naive and a child essentially doesn't understand that Zai doesn't like her. I don't know over much about Orisa. She was a, one of the more recent characters. I know she was designed by a kid out of bits of old other robots. Yeah, and she's essentially been uh, created with a brand new AI core that this, this child prodigy, Efi has created. So Orisa is essentially a, new, a newborn child. Mm. Is a newborn child in the body of a giant robot centaur with a massive cannon. And so they play on the jokes of like she doesn't know her own strength she doesn't mm-hmm. know she doesn't yet know probably what right from wrong is she takes everyone at face value mm. that, kind of fun. oh she, she has a my little pony skin as well so <laughs> awesome <laughs> one of her skins is called twilight and he's obviously twilight sparkles color scheme oh, gee, nice. that, it's with the horse legs isn't it uh, the, 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 the the fact that a kid put it together feels very Big Hero 6 again, which uh, I think probably is uh, tonally one of the closest uh, films that this um, this matches. This wears its influences on its sleeve. It doesn't seem to, to shy away from the fact that there is kind of a, a Snake Eyes, um, Storm Shadow, Grey Fox, Solid Snake thing going on between um, Hanzo and Genji. Uh, and, and, you know, Bastion being the Iron Giant and... Um, yeah, they're not. A, I mean, but this has always been Blizzard's thing. That Blizzard has never yeah. been a company to shy away from saying we're referencing pop culture things here. This is what we're doing. Yeah, yeah like I'm really mad at what is it, Warhammer for stealing all of Blizzard's ideas. <laughs> yeah, uh, I love a very famous Letitia's company as well. <laughs> oh, I've just seen the Twilight Sparkle skin. That is great. 
it's not it's not obvious, is it? They're not they're not, they're not like rubbing it down you. But yeah, with that name and that colour scheme, that's what they mean. Can I talk about one of my last favourites? Yeah. Um, probably one of the scariest characters to face when they're being played well. Tracer. Tracer. <laughs> I love Horrible accent. Sorry, I don't know what they're playing at, but my god, I love that character. What are you talking about? She sounds like every British person ever, as far as my dumb American ears can tell. (laughs) She is actually played by a British actress as well, so... Oh, you're kidding me! It's not an an American... (laughs) Sharon bet cash money that that was not her first language, or at least her first dialect. Because she's doing the Dick Van Dyke. I That's the problem. Terrible. But it, it does almost seem like she's gone in there, done her actual voice, and then the voice director's gone, can you make her a bit more... more British? <laughs> what? what are you well, about? To be more fair, uh, they were going to do posh British or Cockney, so they went with Dick Van Dyke Cockney. I was going to say, they were going to do posh British or Cockney, so they went for something squarely in the middle. <laughs> My she's fair played, lady. She's played by an actress called Cara Theobald. Mm-hmm. She was born in Yorkshire. And attended drama school in London and has been in Downton Abbey. Yeah. So Tracer is played by a Yorkshire woman. I want yes. that accent. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I mean. If she Okay, a Yorkshire accent on Tracer would work really well. <laughs> I want that. All right, say that, love. Actually, that's uh, Scouse. Yeah, not even close. Say that, you shitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I do have to point something out about uh, Blizzard. Uh, these characters so I've watched several Australian YouTubers mm-hmm. and they poke fun at Junkrat all the time because he's not an Australian accent well it's a caricature heard... all of them are caricatures including yeah. Zarya with a mother Russia I've heard that Hanzo and Genji are so heavily accented to the point where actual Japanese people cringe at them <laughs> the same way you're cringing at Tracer I, I think I don't know if they do it on purpose, They're but it's, it's spread across all the characters, except for Lucio, because nobody knows what a Portuguese accent sounds like. <laughs> the other one is um, Anna. Anna is played by an, an Egyptian lady, a very, yeah. very talented actress, who, and this is her only ever video gaming, only ever Western work ever, because they deliberately wanted this character, that character to be totally serious. Yeah, no, I love Tracer, and I'll tell you what, I always thought Tracer was really soft and squidgy, and then I played her a lot, I started getting good with her, and then started seeing how people with the actual talent are with her, it's like, she's the scariest character going! She can hit you from several sides, run away, be full health, and come back and kill you! She's amazing! Mm-hmm. She's the point character as well, she's, she's front and centre in all of the marketing. Mm-hmm. She was. The... She is the logo for the Overwatch League. Yeah, and she's was the first character they designed. She was the character that said that this is setting the bar for what the visual design of the game is going to be. It's this hey, character. And her colour scheme works so well. That bright, colourful orange leggings with the bomber jacket I really love. Mm. And she has some really fun alternative skins as well that play up into sort of British history with like her punk skin and bomber command stuff. I like that. So much. I even, to be honest, I know I take the mick out of the accent. Oh, I love that accent. I just Tracer wouldn't work without that. You, you, as much as I joke about the Yorkshire accent, without that sort of mock Cockney voice, it just—it's perfect. She's she's, she's wonderful. Now I'm probably going to say something that's going to get me into trouble and a bit of heat now, which is fair play. I do have one problem with Tracer. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact she's gay. I think it was absolutely brilliant. 
I think it was a shitty way Blizzard went about doing it by, hey, here's Tracer, here's this character, let all the fanboys get mad, you know, obsess over and cover star, and then tell them it's gay, and then Trump it, look, we put a gay character in our box. It's like, but when you launched this, you didn't tell anybody. Mm. I have a problem with, I have no problem with Tracer being gay, and I actually really like that, but I have a, my problem is where Blizzard went about it and then trumpeted themselves as, look, we put a gay character on the box. See, I, I'm on the other end of that. I think it's brilliant that it, like, the fact that she's gay is so just who she is. It's not important. The only reason that anyone knows that is because of one panel in a comic. Mm. And, I, and okay, them trumpeting themselves as, look at how inclusive they, we are. Okay, yeah. that, that always bothers me regardless. But the fact that they didn't be like, here's Tracer. She's British. She can rewind her own time. She has guns and she's gay. Go, go, go. Like, they didn't do that. Mm. And in fact, it was, was it almost a year? Yeah. It was like, yeah. It leaves this thing in the back of your mind. You don't know whether they designed her to be that way from the beginning or whether they made that decision much later. Yeah. And that suggests that it wasn't necessarily being done for the right reasons. Glenn's probably put it a lot better than I did there. But yes, that's sort of more of my... I get what you're getting at. The idea being, if they knew she was gay and they didn't say, it was because they didn't want it to hurt the sales. If they didn't know she was gay and then they made her gay... That feels like it wasn't endemic to her character in the first place, so you are... That's kind of, like, retroactive recasting. I would, however, argue that being gay isn't endemic to anybody's character in the first place, because you figure it out as you get older. Maybe Tracer figured it out a a year into Overwatching. If you you walk down the street (laughs) and see somebody that you are incredibly attracted to, you don't necessarily know immediately whether or not they would be reciprocating it. Frankly, I'd um, rather have one more um, gay character than one less. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Do you know what? Make Reaper gay. Yeah. Make him so Oh, my God. Gay. The end no, it's got would McCree. all lose their minds. It would be brilliant. <laughs> oh, no. It's got to be McCree, surely. Okay, well, how about this? Reaper takes off his mask, and, and then he and McCree hold each other at gunpoint, and then they drop their guns and kiss Stop passionately, passionately and just have the edge of those going, No! No! Yes, I'm for that one. That would be great. This is the future liberals want. Um, Can we start a fund for this? I got $5 right here. I, Sign I the would... petition to... You, you know there'd be petitions. Make Reaper ungay. Ungay him now. Wave <laughs> your magic straight wands at him. Like I, like I said, I, 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 I doubt Blizzard's motives on the trace. I think the one thing I did enjoy was the fanboy tears going, No, Tracer's gay. It's like, so what? Like you could have f***ed her anyway. She's polygonal. <laughs> Also, she wouldn't touch you with yours. Yeah. I wouldn't touch you with yours, love. Um, (laughs) That's what she says. Uh, Actually, speaking of making beloved characters ungay, apparently the new uh, um, Fantastic Beasts character of... uh, Oh, we're going there, because that's been... Dumbledore will not be explicitly gay in the new Harry Potter movie about his relationship with a man he was in love with. I was just about to say, I completely (laughs) get the people who've kind of gone, jumped on this and gone, well, how do you make a character explicitly gay? He can't just like burst into a room and go, whoops, ducky. I mean, mean, he could. But ultimately, this is about him hunting his ex. Yeah. It's kind of, it's going to be there. Like or you're deliberately ignoring it. It's, it's, I can see why you're avoiding doing the cast on this one now, because it, it, um, I don't have this. the background with Harry Potter that you guys do. I mean, it was something I enjoyed, but I was never, it never meant as much to me. I know it means to you guys. So this must be driving you absolutely bloody mental. 
Well, I, it just it felt like a while back, Joe Rowling was this crusader for the uh, for, for for people who would otherwise be vulnerable to a society dominated by straight white men. And in just the past couple of months, she's gone. Domestic violence, it's not really all that important. Just, let's just put it to one side, because this guy's a fantastic... All I can tell you is that this guy is a sensational actor. And now it's like... No, look, well, we've seen his previous movies. Yeah. He ain't that guy anymore. Dumbledore, I mean, he's... Okay, just don't expect him to kiss a man, okay? Don't expect him to talk about a relationship. Don't expect him to say anything explicitly on screen that suggests that he and Grindelwald had anything other than just a friendship. Like, just, if you want to head canon it... No, it's actual canon! You said it yourself! Yeah, if you want to do that. But just, I'm just going to throw gay people under the bus. Are there any... Serafina Pickery, now played by Jodie Foster. We threw black people under the bus as well. Anybody else? Sharon just opened her mouth like that might actually be true. It actually might now. <laughs> Wouldn't be a surprise, unfortunately. Anyway, we're ki- we're eating up our Overwatch, Back to Overwatch time. Back to Overwatch. Yeah, more fun. Um, I, I I do like Tracer, um, and and she. Oh, is, I, uh, I can understand fully why she's the uh, like uh, like box art character. She's also, as far as I can tell, the uh, the Overwatch character in Ready Player One. Yes. So yeah, yeah. Sure that's, that's, that's going to be a podcast, surely. Yeah. <laughs> if not yours, so, it's going to be one for WHM this time next so year. So it's not the book. <laughs> I think what I'm going to do, like w- what we'll do with that, we'll wait for the movie to come out. If the movie's great, we'll talk about the movie and why it's great. If the movie sucks, we'll talk about why the movie sucks, and we'll also talk about why the book sucks. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Sorry, we'll wait. Glenn. We'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. Okay. Sombra from Mexico. Um, again, one of my favourite uh, new characters. The uh, you know defined by a single word. Boop, boop. Yes. <laughs> As in, like she was like a total badass the whole way through that that whole thing, and then at the very end just goes, boop. and you're like, oh, you're so much cooler than even that. I, I, her colour scheme, I just I go nuts for her colour scheme. I love it, that black and purple, mm. and sort of the circuit board lines that she does when she touches and hacks. Oh, I, I'm terrible with her though. I can't play. <laughs> and that's another one I cannot play for Toffee, which really annoys me because I want to be good with her. But no, I'm terrible. Visually, she is my favourite. She feels like a Mass Effect character as well, mm. like someone who mm. would be a bit more fun on the uh, the ship and shake it up a bit. Mm. Totally. Yeah, a little bit Tali. Yeah, a little bit of that. But uh, yeah, she's um, the fact that like evil characters are harder to do because there's fewer types that are well known. You know, you've got the the mischievous kind, which is is what she is. You've got the like super serious kind, which is what Reaper is. You've got, I mean, technically Roadhog and Junkrat are kind of evil, but they're just more chaotic evil. <laughs> they're the Rosencrantz and Guildenstern of evil. But no, chaotic evil <laughs> is is like you know the joker like a real psychopath but they just seem to be more chaotic neutral there's there's chaotic evil and then there's bumbling evil yeah and then you have your dedicated to a cause that just happens to be evil your very organized and cold-hearted evil your tortured evil your sadistic evil and my favorite your conflicted evil sombra definitely fits into this sort of she's almost anti-hero-y yeah She's not quite. She's not the out-and-out villain, villainess that say Widowmaker is, uh, and Reaper is, and she's not bumbling like Roadhog. And uh, so it's like, where does she fit? She's a, so, the only way I can describe it is sort of the anti-hero. But I do mm. like it. And boop, boop. She has an awesome. agenda. Yes, she's another yeah, character. She's working the rest. Yeah, she's working for the villains. She's working for Talon, 
but we don't... I don't think her heart's in it. I think she's working for Talon to get to other things. Yeah. Working them. It feels like uh, yeah. there'd be some great kind of back and forth with her and Widowmaker in uh, in a movie. And, uh, She's got that hair thing going on that you like. Oh, man. i got to say, the undercut, my favourite haircut on ladies in recent years. For some reason, men with an undercut, they're ruining that haircut. But on <laughs> girls, that looks fabulous. I'll tell you what, when you see people cosplay a Sombra mm. and they get it, it's it's an amazing look. You know, it's not just an amazing look visually in the game, it's an amazing look visually in the real world as well. But she, she has, has those weird toe shoes. Yeah, well, nobody's <laughs> perfect. <laughs> but she has that thing where she could be an antagonist. She could be an antagonist for the other evil characters and an antagonist for the uh, for the good guy characters. So, you know, she's really kind of there to mix things up and held over a decent storyline, there could be a sense of her progressing as a character. Again, this is why I want to see a movie, so that, like, it's, everything's not all just held in this kind of chaotic stasis. I want to see these characters progress. Is she a true she's, neutral? Maybe. She's uh, depicted as a bit of a puppet master. One of her recent emotes, they've got her, like, she actually has a puppet of Reaper that she plays with. Oh, my God, then, it's so cute. <laughs> but they, they're sort of kind of implying that she's playing them to get what she wants. She's not in this in this game. She's not really part of this game, but she's playing them. When did uh, Sombra get introduced? Was it one of the BlizzCons? So it wouldn't have been last year. It would have been the years before. So, because I've end just of 20, re- end of twenty sixteen. End of twenty sixteen. I've just realised that means it's okay because I didn't nick it from Sombra. That that my character of Mortimer in the Princess Thieves, who is again another true neutral or possibly a neutral evil. Um, Sorry, whose character of Mortimer? Sharon's character of Mortimer. Thank you. <laughs> we we created her together. Burn <laughs> um, with her Ooh. long ass purple coat and bowler hat and uh, array of different gadgetry uh, has that same kind of, like she's even standing in much the same way as this cosplayer I'm see- I'm looking at right now it has that same kind of you know I'm playing an angle to get and Sombra much like Mortimer probably leads a quite a lonely life that you know goes back home to a, a fantastic apartment which is well appointed because she's very rich because she's screwed so many people over and stolen so much money but doesn't have anyone to share it with just assumption i know they added her apartment to the um the map oh no nice. that she's on wait um, what does she live alone or does she have a robot butler oh which <laughs> map is it dorado there's a there's a room in one of the buildings in dorado that was originally just decked out one way they've now decked it out to look like it's obviously sombra's apartment hmm. The, the 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 skirmish map, the three v three maps. Yes, yeah, sorry. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's very purple. I completely forgot about that. It is very purple. Yes. A lot of computers. She. Uh, yeah. But again, it looks very kind of drafty and empty, and you know, lacking in that sense of familial bonds. Hmm. Some of her early concept art is interesting. The, the she's got one of the more weird histories in the game. Hanzo and Genji were originally one character. Mm-hmm. To start with, Sword and Bow Ninja. That character was a female Japanese character called Sombra. <laughs> so they've had the name for a while, and then they split that to Hanzo and Genji, and then the name comes back for the character that is now Sombra. But again, right. this version of Sombra was also originally going to be a Japanese character. Hmm. And there's a, this concept art of her in kind of like a kimono thing with lots of knives and looking a little bit like a Buki from Street Fighter. She does, yeah. And so, but then they again moved away. So they've got plenty of Japanese characters already let's do something else and they associated home with the Dorado map and that's when it clicked and 
and the boop thing actually does uh, characterize her, in, like, like I said, in, in, incredibly succinctly in that she's violating whoever she's booping. Like, no one wants to be booped, but she's saying, I can play with you like a, a, a mean girl, but in a not particularly bullying way. And again, it, it kind of characterizes her as quite lonely which I, I really find appealing. It's an invasion of personal space, but yeah. not for immediately, obviously, malicious means. Yeah. It's teasing rather than um, viciously taking power in a, in a crass way. Stop booping yourself. Stop booping yourself. <laughs> <laughs> it's really weird how the word boop has, has gone from a thing that Sombra said once to an actual in-game action. Twice. Uh, across multiple games. Yeah, like it's become a thing. Yeah, like when Lucio does his alt-fire thing that blasts you backwards, that's a boop. And then they watch, if you watch the Overwatch leagues, the commentators will say things, oh, more boops for the boop god. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you hear that in uh, Heroes of the Storm, too, because uh, several of these characters have been ported over there, and you'll hear the Lucio boop pushes him into the whatever thing, whatever. And it, it, it's really weird for people who don't know that it came from Sombra essentially taunting the leader of Russia. Mm. Like, what? And, and Sombra can't even boop. Couldn't do it in the game. Can now. Well, no, I mean, the act of booping. Like, the, the, yeah. the shoving someone uh, like Lucio does or Farah or yeah. Arisa. Like, but she can't it, do it, but it's her voice line that started the whole thing. It wasn't even in the game as a voice line you could use for her initially because they didn't realize that people were going to latch onto it it was only after the short and they realized there's a thing here that we sort of like the reaper shrug yeah so much like my little pony um that they the creators work with the fact that memes change and evolve and get shared around and then feed back into the game itself Yep. They keep it on the periphery, they keep it to things like the voice lines you can do during the game, or the sprays you can put on the walls. They never really bring it front and centre, but there are lots of things in there that you like, that's, that's a fandom nod. That's a nod to something that the fandom has said or done. Or... There's so many Overwatch ponies, I'm beginning to think that the MLP fanbase and the Overwatch fanbase is uh, a circle. Is a circle. <laughs> 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 Reinhardt, another of my favourite characters. He wasn't really until I saw his short... Uh, recently, and also read his, his comic, which is again similarly powerful. He's kind of got a whole Logan thing going, but if, he's got the weary warrior. Yeah, but that's so juxtaposed against his sort of laughing Siegfried, uh, you know, young brash knight in the uh, in the flashback. And I just I didn't get it the first time I saw it that he's he's taking this you know commander's place at the end. I didn't get what a huge change that had on him but it's heartbreaking watching that short and seeing this you know again I can can never get enough of watching the storyline where a young brash man becomes sober and aware of his responsibility very powerful stuff and again the, the, the Siegfried legend is so culturally endemic to Germany it's a huge deal there's a reason why Siegfried in in Soul Calibur was like the vision of the German knight and the whole point of that was that he was this pure silver plated hero of uh, unimpeachable character who ends up getting corrupted into nightmare 
whereas with this, Reinhardt himself ends up as a mercenary and kind of wandering around aimlessly looking for a crusade to actually really throw himself back into with something that would approach a glimmer of the pride and glory of his younger days. Honour and glory used to be currencies that he dealt in freely, but now they're thinner on the ground. He's hungrier. That's fantastic. I love that. I may have missed this because I haven't read all the comics, but how on earth did he end up with Tor- Torbjorn's daughter with him? They've it's... never really explained that. They just yeah. kind of hang out. Oh. Okay. I she, just wondered. She, she repairs his armour. Yeah. Makes sense. One of the comics refers to her as, a, as um, his squire. And it's never even really pointed out that it's... I don't know what's the word I'm looking for. Explicitly that it's Torbjorn's daughter. You just have to know the character design of Torb. See, this, the, the short for Reinhard um, was the first one that really made me get how blizzardy this felt hmm. because um, he's, he looks so much like uh, a Warcraft well, paladin. And watching the beginning of that, I actually, it took me a minute to click that it was an Overwatch hmm. piece. That I, I was kind of sat there thinking, oh, are they, they doing these for the Warcraft characters now as well? If you saw a Stormwind Lion banner hanging from that mm. castle, you'd go, this it, makes sense. This makes perfect sense, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. But that was. Yes, like I say, it's, this is another one of the characters that where they're very self consciously paying some homage to their own history. Yeah. You know, the, the Crusaders, that whole unit, are very clearly based on Warcraft. Mm. It's you know a very deliberate choice that they've made to say, look, let's have something in this game with the big shoulder pads. And uh, Torbjorn is as well. Everything about his character sort of stems from kind of a fusion of the dwarven uh, culture and the gnomish gadgetry. You know, mm. yeah, it's definitely lots of those as well. Yeah, they just gave him a, a Magni Bronzebeard skin. Nice in, over, in Overwatch, which he's had a Lost Vikings beautiful. one for a while, so. Still think my favourite skin for him was the this is Father Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but Torby Torby is uh, Santa Claus just makes I just love that for some reason. Torbjorn's a character that I really love the actual design and, and, and look of, and I always thought he was actually uh, a dwarf who had wandered there from Azeroth or through a portal of some kind. Um <laughs> rather than just a person of reduced stature. But he's As his voice line will tell you for the last time, I'm Swedish. Exactly. His 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 official story, wink wink, is that he is was born and bred in in Sweden. But um, just they coming have portals in Sweden too. They have portals in Sweden. Too. <laughs> but uh, the uh, like coming up against him in in games, I can't stand Torbjorns. Like I love the guy, but every time I see one on opposing team, oh, scold you! You're going to be the one who yes. sets up three turrets. Yes. This is going to destroy us every time. Screw you! Yes, yes, oh. I am. Oh, and you got a bastion too on your team. Brilliant! So it's just I'm with my turrets. With the shield That's not and... fun. Yeah, but I think that I love about <laughs> one at a time. I think that I love about Reinhardt. Uh, a thing that I love about Reinhardt and Torb is that they're both having so much fun. Mm. Like, when Reinhardt respawns, one of his uh, respawn voice lines is, AGAIN! Like, he's just loving it. Hmm. And there is something really, like, dynamic and fun about having one, uh, a Reinhardt zoom across the map, grab you and pin you against a wall, and just like, PUSH! It's I would... exciting. It is. Read it to that, but you will. 
my favorite is when he does that on Gibraltar at the start, yeah. and he goes off the map with you. It's like, ha ha ha! It's cool, but damn. Yeah. He's a rocket knight, effectively. Konami yes. will be in touch. Torbjorn's not a fan of the Omnix either. Mm. It has to be said. Yeah. Although less, that seems to be less of a problem in the comics than it is with his voice lines in the game. He seems to have a great deal of fun being in London because L- the London people seem to not like the Omnix very much, and he really, really hates going to the Nepal map with the uh, the Omnic monks. He describes that as his worst nightmare. So he's an interesting one, Torbjorn. Can't believe I let him get away with the word interesting. I think part of his problem with them is that they co-opted a bunch of the things he designed and turned them into weapons, yeah. like the he bastions. Like he, he designed them to be mecha, essentially, weapons, but not uh, artificial intelligent beings. And the Omnic overmines or whatever, that, however that works, took his designs and turned them into the swords and put, essentially made them intelligent. He designed them to be non-intelligent weapons and they've been turned into... Well, not even weapons. Like, the in the, the one comic, the, the, the Titan, he, he says, I designed these to be mechs that could build skyscrapers, not tear them down. You know, they were weaponized when uh, the Omnics took them. And that's... So his, his kind of dislike of the Omnics seems to come more from a they've taken my designs and perverted them rather than any real... Yeah. They're not, they're not human, they shouldn't have rights kind of deal. I think so, yeah. Uh, what's Zenyatta's deal? Because he was one of the few characters I didn't actually have... Uh, I, I, I had a finite amount of time to actually... I've, I've had months and weeks to actually plan for this, but I wanted to make it like a focused week of really plowing through Overwatch. But Zenyatta is one of the characters that I didn't really focus on, possibly just because he's so peace-loving and, and like just kind of like, well, he's a yoga robot, and I, like everything about him was painted all over him, so I kind of felt like I could maybe skip the backstory as is there anything pertinent there that I might have missed? I don't know that there's been much backstory for Zenyatta yet. Okay. He's part of oh, the group really? of monks that um, Mondata, who's the one who's assassinated in the mm. um, Widowmaker short, yeah. he's part of that group. Alive. So they're, they're fighting for Omnic and human integration. Mm. He's also mm. meant, I think he's um, Genji's uh, sensei, as it were. He's, he's taught Genji the ways of peace and mm. has helped Genji's rest his mind from all the problems he's been having. But beyond that, we've not seen much of him. See, because that's a nice t- uh, twist around, because like it, the, the standard would be Hanzo's your hero, Genji's the, the wayward brother, and Hanzo's trying to bring his brother in, but it's almost the other way around. Yeah, they brought... You know, Genji's been through that. He's been through all the rage and the, and the suffering, and he's found peace and wants to bring that back to his brother, wants his brother to forgive himself for what he did. The other fantastic relationship, uh, like family relationship in there, is uh, Farah and Anna, the, uh, the the mother-daughter relationship, which you very rarely get in a shooter or a video game at all. Mother-daughter? Can you think of a last one? Uh, there's, there's got to be, yeah, Mass Effect with um, Samara. Oh, Liar, Liar, uh, Samara and her daughters. Yeah. Yes, Samara and her daughter, yeah. And that was a uh, poisoned relationship. But it's, it's really nice to actually see them if effectively start fighting. Are they on the same team? They're, they're kind of both on Overwatch? Anna and Farah. Yeah. Um, there's there's um, quite an age disparity. Farah, yes. there's, there's lots... Of, uh, Anna was second in command of Overwatch, mm-hmm. and Farah was a child, seven, yeah. eight. 
she looks about seven or eight in the art mm. and raised essentially raised within overwatch always wanted to join overwatch when she was old enough to do so was denied that because overwatch was disbanded before she became an adult mm. believes her mother's gone because she goes mia and so joins the egyptian military joins a private security company and essentially you get the feeling with Farah that she's looking to be part of something bigger so kind of like Rey in The Force Awakens then she's got this yeah, whole she's, like she's lost her parents always wanted to be a Jedi yeah she's lost, well she's lost her mother she's, her father is implied to be Canadian mm. in one of the comics but <laughs> Her father was implied to be a Canadian. <laughs> no, you know what? You know like what? It's not like the be. girlfriend who lives in Canada. My dad who lives in Canada. Oh, that's terrible. <laughs> you know, sorry, I'll Canadians. Have, I've got a tenor on who I reckon her father will be. No, McCree. McCree. Reaper. What? No. Oh, <laughs> really? Yeah. Now I thought the whole Farrah having a father in Canada was to save for something they did with one of the skins because right. they gave her uh, um, Native American skin. Oh, Lots right. of um, and people elements and so on. People second. were like, "That's cultural appropriation." Yeah, like she's meant to be Egyptian. Why is she wearing Native American gear? So they say they've gone with this. Uh, her father is Native American. Well, that they definitely can't pull Reaper out of that then, unless Reaper yeah. turns out to be Native American. He doesn't look Native American. He's meant to be Mexican, isn't he? Yeah. It says See it says uh, USA, but there's yeah, I suppose. Yeah, with yeah, the Pacific, like Pacific Northwest, I think it's described I mean, as in the art book. But to be fair, they also gave Farah a Gundam skin, so eh. yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's cultural <laughs> Gundam appropriation. Yeah, a mechanical point. Farah's a character they they designed and built very early for the game, and she's there to say just how anime is too anime for this game. <laughs> that's yeah. what they were pushing for. So you see the the concept for Farah in the art book. It goes a lot more anime than the, than what they settled on. Well, if th- you've seen Hideo Kojima stuff in like Zone of the Enders, mm-hmm. it went as far as that originally. Wow. <laughs> that's, the, that's too anime. Take a step back. Take a the, step back. The, yeah, the, well, if it went that anime, Alex wouldn't be able to talk about it. Because no anime. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you know what? I opened the doors to anime for this particular season of commissions. I said, you know what? I will negotiate on anime. Not one person has come forward and said, I'd like you to do this anime. So I, I think we're off the hook, Sharon. But the headgear that uh, Farah has, the sort of the, the Egyptian bird, is evocative of Battle of the Planets, G-Force. Yep. Yeah, so like, like ancient anime. Um, Rocket Barrage, she does is straight out of Gundam and things like that. So, but I, I love the fact that the women in this are so diverse. Like, as in, like, the, you've got these, you've got tough women, you've got delicate women, you've got you know healer women, you've got like gun women, you've got nippy women, you've got um, you know rounded women, you've got like st- stocky women. It's just they're all over. The, I love that aspect in particular about this game um, I'm sorry did I hear nippy women fast yeah, as in fast that's why I went with time traveling lesbians okay then <laughs> bit of English bit of English slang for you though well no nippy means two things in English it means uh, uh, cold you know, oh it was a nippy little bugger as in he was quite fast and also yes cold yeah. so, it's a bit nippy love um, and I'm a bit nippy love that would be two things that Tracer would say <laughs> Yeah, actually, yes. <laughs> True story. But Anna herself 
<sighs> She's one of my favourite types of, of female characters that you just never get to see. An old female soldier who used to be a sniper and used to just kill men quickly rather than putting them through pain and putting their families through pain if they maybe partially survived but um, were, you know, were, were, were hospitalised. And she was just like, no, get rid of them quickly. Don't think about it. Just keep people alive and, and just dispatch them. But has since turned a corner and has, has a healing sniper rifle. This was a joke in Red vs. Blue about ten years ago when Sarge joked that he'd had the pellets in his shotgun coated with a medical salve so he could shoot Griff in the face till he was well again. But they, they actually turned that into a real thing. So, I mean, just trying to play Anna, I'm like, oh, this is going to be brilliant. Oh, I'm terrible. I am terrible at this character. It's it's much you know better as a concept than to actually try to, to do it myself. But... Um, the design of her, her voice actress, uh, who is Aisha Selim, provided her voice directly from Cairo. So it doesn't get much more authentically Egyptian than that. She, she just has this like whole package of being a, the kind of character you don't see in action games all that much. I think really, you mentioned in Kojima, that's kind of the only other place where you get this level of like crazy diversity in character. And almost all of them you see for a little bit talking to each other throughout the game, and then you go one-on-one with them, they tell you their life story, and you kill them. But back to Anna, a rare example of a playable mother in games. Just has this amazing voice and presence to her. She's very steadying. She doesn't fall into that stereotypically maternal role either, which it would have been very easy to do, especially with with making her a healer. Hmm. Her interactions with Farah when you're actually both on the same team are fairly minimal. They're, they're quite cold towards each other. Although, if you sort of, if, if Widowmaker's also involved, then the lines kind of change around a bit more oh, to be more along with don't, don't mess with me and my family kind of thing. Nice. So. Have you guys ever played against a Farah and hit her with a sleep dart as Anna? <laughs> no. She actually, she has a specific voice line that is not coming to me, but I remember the first time I heard it, I almost died because it was brilliant. She says something to the effect of, like, it's it's time for a nap, sweetheart, or something like that. <laughs> that's adorable. They, they, that's the kind of thing they add in a lot. Whenever they like, whenever they do an update, new update they've got to do, whenever they happen to have the voice actors in for whatever reason, they'll just record more of that stuff and just put it in. They added a whole bunch of lines for D.Va recently for when she shuts down an ultimate with her defense matrix. The kind of oh, jokes on the lines that they say when they set their ultimates off. So if Farrah goes, oh, justice reigns from above. If Diva blocks it, she go, good thing I bought an umbrella then. Nice. <laughs> That's like a monkey oh, wow. island. When she, when she does occasionally get played in the Overwatch League, not that often, but when she's used, she's used for very specific maps, for very specific uses. Very, very powerful character, but only in the right situation. Mm. Which is back to watch the difference between the the world and the game that's the whole point of the game why you can change mid-game is the is the fact that these characters have specific uses and sometimes if something's not working you need to change that is a great design for the uh, game actually when you can see that your team's lacking and in in something like especially if you see them running off and and, and going crazy and that there's a a deficiency in uh, and a weakness that, that you can actually tactically you know take the initiative yourself it's a lot easier when you you're all actually in, you know friends and in contact and able to talk a lot easier but um, as we found out yeah that that's when it was at its most fun when i was playing with friends just, I, just playing alone it feels horribly empty it's 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 oppressive because 
everyone yeah. around you is bouncing around silently killing each other and that's just that that's what online gaming is to me it's it, it's it's not a world i really ever excelled in ever yeah for the most part i don't stream overwatch alone anymore and i very rarely play alone anymore mm. uh, i've got a group of uh, up to five others usually <clears throat> and i always try to grab one or two of them if we're gonna be like last night actually i streamed overwatch with bill who you've had on the show before? I know Bill and and my friend uh, my friend Steph and we with three of us. It's just a, such a fun game. Whereas if I'm trying to stream it by myself, I get so mad. Mm. Probably because there's an audience and I'm like I feel like I have to do well, but I can't do well because I'm by myself. Yeah, you're being with... shown up by everyone else. Just can well, it, it's not that no. I I I've stopped playing Overwatch because we we stopped playing so often and it just wasn't fun on my own. Mm. It just it was just an exercise in frustration. And you know what? At least when you're playing with you guys, yeah, we might lose, but we'll be start cracking jokes, have poking fun, and it's all good. But when yeah. you're by yourself, it no, it's just an exercise in frustration. There are more more game modes in there that kind of cater to the solo player. Now you've got there's a deathmatch mode in there, which is obviously not the ethos of the game, but it works quite well. It's quite good for practicing. Yeah. They have the random heroes game mode where no one that can is... ever get too no one can ever get too competitive because you're never going to be able to have a balanced team in that game. It's just for playing and having a laugh, mm. and practicing, and yep. don't take it that seriously. I might try moment. some of those modes then, just to mix it up a little. Yeah, they're yes, they're only from quick play and rank play, basically. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, okay, so Doomfist, the man who punched his way out of prison. <laughs> I love Doomfist. Okay, tell me about him, because again, he's a, he's a little after my time. I, I stopped playing, I, and then I saw him, and I thought, that looks like an amalgam of various Masters of the Universe characters. Fisto, obviously, but also Jitsu, Clamp Champ, and the 2002 version of Zodak. And that's so brilliant. Yeah, he's, like, I okay, in his, his uh, origin story comic, like, he's in a tuxedo. <laughs> and I'm just waiting for them to put that skin in the game. And I will never, ever unequip it, ever. <laughs> it's like in the Succedo Metal Gear. You, that's, that, that's just it. So, I mean, he beyond the punching things, character to play. Yeah, okay, He's so... so hard it, to play. Uh, what, what's what's the, the, the deal with him in, in life, beyond the actual, um, uh, like, Doom. Playing? So, we apparently he's the deal. third... Doomfist. What's the deal with him? Neil just said Doom. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no, I actually Beyond stopped myself from finishing <laughs> finishing the sentence because it was worse than that, so I stopped myself. Okay. <laughs> I love fisting people. There <laughs> that was it. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, the tone is suitably lowered. This is a kid show, for goodness' sake. Doomfist. He just seems to be this really angry, like malevolent guy. Like I said, that this game lacks malevolence. He's the malevolent one. So, so yeah, what's his thing? He's apparently the third person to have the name Doomfist. Okay. Which it's is a weapon really... rather than the character. Of it's... the Long Island Doomfists? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but he's actually very like cold and calculating from what little bit of story we've gotten from him. Hmm. He, he's very yeah. cold and calculating and brutal and vicious. Okay. But he's not just, you know... We've not seen enough of him yet. Really. Yeah, but he's, he's not just, I'm angry, I will punch things, rawr... And uh, that's a thing I really like. He's not like when in game. That's all he is. He jumps in and he destroys things, and then he dies because he's very squishy. He's and very then that's it. Play. Again, another character that Josh is quite good at playing. <sighs> that I could see from Josh. <laughs> to be fair, I remember when he was bitching in twi- on Twitter about him getting used to him because he didn't find him easy. But 
This will, yeah. I have no knowledge of Mr. Fist. It's comboing. You've got to basically... Each time you land one of his hits, you gain some health, you gain some shield health. So you have to be hitting chains of attacks to build your health bar up to compensate for the fact you've got quite a small health bar. So, so he- as long as you're still hitting things and cha- getting chains of attacks going, you stay alive. So it's- Oh, God, it's kind of like Zarya. A little bit. It's, it's more like a sort of fighting game combo sequence. You've got to keep it going. And as soon as you stop, you'll get killed. Yeah, one of his sprays is actually... Uh, arrows forward, down, down, forward, and then the Doomfist for a sure you can. Yeah, yeah. We just, we've just not seen enough of Doomfist yet to really get a total read on him. I don't think he's, he's another one. A, he's been a face, like a, a a presence, hiding behind things for a long time. Like people were clamoring for Doomfist. Who was the character uh, released right before Doomfist? Orisa. 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 Yeah. Okay. Because of all the Doomfist related things. Yeah, like Reese's backstory is entwined with it, yeah. Yeah, they've completely changed the Numbani map. Like, you start off in the, the lobby of this airport, and then before yeah, they released be Arisa... Escorted, used to be you escorted the, the Doomfist to the museum. Yeah, the Doomfist then, gauntlet. Then, for a couple of weeks, that payload was smashed because Doomfist had stolen the Doomfist from the, from the payload, and the airport was all smashed up and so on. Now it's changed to something else. And yes, it's yeah. very hard to stay serious when everyone's saying Doom. Stop Doom <laughs> Yeah, when he was released, all of my streams were uh, entitled something to the effect of "Let's go fisting again." Well, you know, I mean, Let's like... fist again, like we did last summer. You know, it's just very... <laughs> surely the gauntlet shouldn't be called the Doomfist because otherwise he's Doomfist and this is the Doomfist, and I've got to wear the Doomfist otherwise I'm not Doomfist. But my name is John Doomfist. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mr. Doom, Mr. Fist to you. Does he actually have a name? Because all of the other characters in Talon have, yeah, have actual names as well, but I don't know what his is. I just can't remember what it is. Because he's not in the art book, because the art book kind of stops just before that. So. Of course, yeah. Doom Fist is... Real name, Akande Ogundimu. That is a serious name. Well, he's from Nigeria. That's another thing this made me think of, with the meshing of uh, tribal cultures and ancient cultures and futurism. Black Panther, we're going to be all about that in just a few weeks' time. In fact, this show might come out after the Black Panther. I don't know about that one, but uh, I kind of want to put the two together, because that's what Black Panther makes me think. Yeah, the Dumbani setting in Overwatch is is the same setting, essentially the same setting as Wakanda. Wakanda, It's it's going for the same thing. African super tech. Yeah, and as yeah. Uh, as uh, uh, Bob has said, that it, it really feels like this is the way that modern blockbusters are going to go in in the future. It's going to be a lot more of other people's cultures and not just America. Mm. Yeah, well, that's a hell of an alternative um, uh, history take. If colonialism hadn't happened mm-hmm. and Africa had been allowed to develop its own materials and it's a way to keep blockbusters fresh so that it's not just aliens attacking New York or Los Angeles again. Mm. Oh no, the robots are coming. Really? So, just like now they can attack Nairobi instead. <laughs> Yay? It's different. I'll give you that. Or maybe just don't have aliens attack just for a bit. Just calm down. <laughs> like no yeah, aliens, no robots. Go- what about fish people? I will let you have fish people. Haha, the much-anticipated Namor movie. I was going to say, they could just do Atlantis Attacks. It's it's feasible within Marvel. That's actually canonically something that happened in the 80s. Yes, but that's also connected to Conan. Yeah. Also, really? let's face it, right now, the idea of aliens arriving sort of somewhere around our atmosphere, peering out of the window, looking down at what's going on, 
and going, nah. Nah, just come back in a few decades. (laughs) They're all going to be dead soon anyway. We'll just come back and um, harvest what's left. Okay, before we go, let's just send a message to Amy Adams. Okay, that way. Her response will be, oh, thank you. Oh, that's so nice, alien guys. (laughs) Oh, it's so sweet of you now, though. Another uh, new character that, again, was uh, beyond my time, uh, Moira. Sharon tried to play her. She just ended up playing this pair of spiky-looking hands. Um, okay. No, what's no, no, no. Moira about? No, 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 no. Just, just let me tell them exactly what happened. Yep. I started playing Moira. Mm-hmm. I tried to look at her attacks list so that I could work out what I was doing. And Alex went, no, 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 don't look at that. No time, no time. Just go in there. Figure it out as you go along. Okay, am I wrong to say that to her? Like, should okay. she have been hanging That's around the base with a pause button on? I, you you, you know. get kicked from the map if you do that. At the beginning of the match, you have, like, <laughs> a minute before you actually have to get out there and fight. I was hmm. just trying to figure out what buttons to press. Okay, if it was the beginning of the match, it then, was. yeah. Okay, yeah. I should have let you do that. But that's, I learned <laughs> yes, you by, should have. I learned by reading things. I can't just hit buttons and figure it out. So Moira is there. rapidly becoming my new main. Okay. Yeah, Moira's so. awesome. Moira is. Like she has heal with one hand and attack with the other hand. She's perfect for me. <laughs> she's dark mercy. She's, you know, mercy's bit ability, mercy and Zenyatta's abilities taken to the other extreme. Okay. So she drains health from the enemies with, to heal her teammates. Oh. That's kind of what she's doing. Yes. So yeah. the, the her standard attacks are drain health from the enemy or spray health on allies. She's got ability to fire orbs into the distance that bounce off all the walls and do the same thing so you, you can fire a healing orb that bounces off all the walls and heals all your friends or, or a murder ball. damaging a murder ball which in a very small space really is a murder ball <laughs> and then her ultimate is a basically a massive energy beam that heals and damages at the same time so I get about her as a character that she's a scientist who's quite aggressive with what she does and, and would prefer humanity to push forwards you know, regardless of the outcome and the idea being that she's powering bad science. Yeah, she strikes me as being not necessarily bad but completely amoral. Like, what she wants to do is anything that involves advancement. It doesn't Mm. matter whether it's bad or good. There is no... Um, uh, moral decision being made about the things she's done, sh- she's doing. She just wants to advance. The Hippocratic Oath is something that happens to other people yeah. with her. But that does make her one of the baddies. Like you know, yeah, she's she's in talent, but she's and she's also allegedly responsible for what Reaper now is. Right. They've yeah. kind of moved that onto her as being what she did. Like her her deal is science at any cost. And the good guys are like, science, as long as you don't hurt anyone, damn it. And then she goes, well... Screw you guys, I'm going <laughs> Yeah, that's not good enough. I want science at any cost. And Talon was like, you know, we don't, we, we can do the any cost thing. And she's like, score, I'm with them now. She's associated with she's... the Oasis map, which is the, the, the um, Iraq tech city one that they added. And the implication there is they're sort of trying to make out that that's a bit like Rapture in Bioshock. Hmm. This is a city that's like the Barney's all technologically and shiny and new, but they're doing it in a in the we don't have any rules. You can come along and do what you like here. So she's Eleanor Lamb. Yeah, I can just good comparison. She's also one of the only characters that has a fairly understated accent. Like her Irish accent is not. Faith and Begora, life in the Blarney Stone. Yeah, there, there's no top of the morning to you, laddies, or any of that. It's it's an actual just a 
an accent that's, that's not over the top. I'm quite proud of them for once. <laughs> she has the most Hollywood of all of the voice actors in the game, though. Oh, yeah? Who is it? It's uh, Genevieve O'Reilly, who is Mon Mothma in the Star Wars movies. The recent oh, Star Wars the movies. New, new Mon Mothma, yeah. Yeah. It's Sophia right. Lamb, by the way, not yeah. Eleanor. Eleanor's her daughter, yeah. yeah. No, so Sophia Lamb was very much for the sort of pushing things forward and collectivism. Um, uh, another scientist female type, Symmetra. Uh, so, um, again, she's a character. Another one they couldn't resist playing with. Uh, what have they, are they, are they, are they nerfed They've her tried or? to make her useful, and they've not yet managed it. Right. She, yeah. She's probably the least played character. It was Doomfist for a while, but the pro players are starting to get the hang of him now. So Symmetra is now the least played character at, at, at top level. Why do people not like playing Symmetra? For me, it was just down to the fact that um, I was playing support, but I felt like I wasn't doing much supporting. Well, she's, she's not a support character. Okay, she's a well, defensive character, defense really. She's, she's still classed. She's classed as support, okay. but the things that she used to do were support. She doesn't do anymore. Okay, yeah. they took that away and gave her more defense. She's, she's too stationary. She takes too long to redeploy and move, move around, and they're just none of the things she's got really move the game enough. Do enough. But as a character, um, her, her deal is that she's created these hard light holograms, right? Yeah, she's yeah, hard light um, constructs. Hard light constructs. Okay. Yeah. And she works for this company called Lumerico, who are all about, you know, gentrifying and rebuilding, just you know, bulldozing the favelas and building shiny new cities in their place. And she's kind of, they're kind of like the OCP of the Overwatch universe, you know. Oh, yeah. so morally speaking, she's actually a bit shadier. Yeah, yeah, she's 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 their kind of enforcer, spy type character, but she thinks it's all for the greater good. And the comics and so on that we've seen her in so far, you get the feeling that she's just starting to grow a bit of a conscience about what's happening. Yeah. Hmm. She's also meant to be autistic as well, isn't she? They've said that she's meant to be autistic. Yeah, because in in the comic, uh, she talks about people asking her in her past, where do you fall on the spectrum? Yeah. And it bothered her because she knew it was true. So I don't know of any other spectrum that would be talking about. Hmm. The moral spectrum? Not with that wouldn't be relevant to the context. So no, I don't think so. Yeah. The sexuality. So I think it spectrum? is. But yeah. According to Deviant Art, every single place on the spectrum is occupied by every single character from the looks of it. That yeah. Is, yeah. <laughs> no, unfortunately, she. I mean, at one point, she had. Does she still have two alties, or has it gone to one again? Yeah, I still take. Yeah, she still has a teleporter or a shield generator. Hmm. It's useful that, like, it, on some maps and some levels, it's just at the, the, the highest level play in the league and so on. She's just too squishy and doesn't do enough. Mm. But what so I think, I think I'll revisit her at some point. What you're describing with these characters with difficult moral compasses is people who have room to learn or stubbornly refuse to learn uh, in, you know, larger context stories. And there's, again, this is, this is fertile ground for uh, advanced and expanded entertainment and they've got every single one of these guys that we've described so far could be the star of their own game They're, they've oh, yeah. got more going for exactly. them than most video game characters uh, uh, nearly 10 years ago now Tony and I did a um, was it, when did Portal 2 come out? like 2011-ish um, very early on uh, we did a, a 50 best video game characters um and, you know, at the top, I think it was GLaDOS was number one, or possibly Nathan Drake. Um, and I think, honestly, these days, top 50 video game characters, about 26 of them would be, uh, at least 
uh, you know, a good dozen of them would be characters from Overwatch, yeah. Yeah. They built this wonderful setting and backstory, and they've not actually given us a story setting. (laughs) Well, that's because it wasn't originally meant to be Overwatch either, was it? It was meant to be Titan. I'm not sure exactly how much of that transferred over. It's hard to tell. Can anyone briefly tell us the backstory of how this game came to be? Because, I mean, it's not necessarily talking about gameplay, but how it, how it, it you know, exploded into actual Overwatch is definitely worth discussing. Um, do, you, do you want to tell that one, Glenn? Because you might have it me. As I know it, um, they were working on a sci-fi MMO to sit alongside World of Warcraft originally, and that was a project that was called Titan, in development for a very long time. They got as far as closed internal beta so they'd never shown any of this to the public and for whatever reasons that wasn't working and they cancelled it Hmm. and it's not clear how much of that became Overwatch the staff moved moved on to do Overwatch so at least a a decent chunk of the people that worked on Titan then went on to build Overwatch some characters and setting aspects come over from it they refer to McCree as one that's come over from Titan I can't remember there was another one that was based on a character that was in there but They've not said in anything that I've seen anyway exactly how much of Overwatch was in Titan, as in whether it's the same setting or whatever. There are elements and it's inspired by it, but beyond that, it's hard to say. I'd say the tones come across, given that I said to Alex the other day, this basically seems to me like what Warhammer 40k is to Warhammer, to World of Warcraft. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what Titan was intended to be. Was they didn't want to do a StarCraft ever because I think they felt that StarCraft was already strongly its own thing and didn't need it. And it was huge in esports at the time, so like, why mess with that? And similarly, yeah, that a- World of Warcraft's this cash cow that just keeps giving to them, even if it's never going to be as big as it was in the past. So again, why mess with that by making World of Warcraft two? Also, if you're known for creating and successfully maintaining one of the biggest. MMORPGs going. Mm. Why compete with yourself? Then, well, no, yep. I'm, just, I'm, I'm thinking more like if you want to give yourself a challenge, start something new from the ground mm. up rather than um, than trying to build. Which is, which internally is what they've been doing because we also uh, had before Overwatch, we had um, Hearthstone, mm-hmm. which was a yep. card game. Uh, was Heroes of the Storm before or after Overwatch? Heroes of the Storm was after Overwatch. It so is. Possibly, in terms of development. Overwatch was in development first. Mm. Heroes of the Storm was released in June 2015, and Overwatch was May 2016. But obviously, development time is very different. And there's yeah, I went back and watched that BlizzCon initial presentation from the 2014 one where they announced Overwatch, and it's literally that was the first new IP, new setting that they'd done. I think he said that's like 19 years. I think he said it was. Mm-hmm. And you can see Chris Metzen on stage is visibly nervous about what he's about to show this huge baying crowd. Because yeah. he's got no idea how he's going to go over. Yeah, because Heroes of the Storm is cheating because it's not new. <laughs> it's complicated, but in short, <laughs> Dota was originally a mod for World of Warcraft 3. Uh, sorry, not World of Warcraft, Warcraft 3. Warcraft 3 yeah. Somehow Steam got the name, well Valve got the name for it and created Dota 2, which annoyed people at Blizzard, so they went to create their own Dota 2, but obviously with the Blizzard heroes. Yeah. Which is Heroes, heroes of the Storm. Storm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. And in terms of influence, there's there's a, there's some Team Fortress in here, am I right? Yes. Definitely. Oh well, yes. yeah. There's quite a lot of League of Legends in in this as well. Just the whole uh, the, the MOBA style game, but in FPS. Mm. 
the, the art book talks yeah. about how they were they were originally whilst then FPS is new for them they've never done one before as a studio mm. and so that, that was an interesting way to push themselves and they sort of say that the thing they hit on very quickly is they didn't want to make it about classes mm. which is what Team Fortress is essentially they wanted them all to be characters and therefore they said well let's call them all heroes and then immediately you get into that's the terminology that MOBAs use for their characters and it, it implies that it's not just oh he's the medic he's the shooter it's like it's not that this is the character of the medic this character's mercy and that's what they wanted they realized when they realized that's what they were going to do it changed how they were developing it quite a lot and that's why it became much more character focused i don't think the original design would have been do you remember when battleborn came out almost exactly the same time as overwatch with basically sorry for it It was compared to it and then not the same game style at all yeah not even remotely yeah but the comparison was enough to make people go well I've got to choose between these two and I will choose Overwatch because I know this one more I know it's a shame I know they'll support it Hmm. yeah it's also a shame because obviously Battleborn went for the same aesthetic of being bright colourful and unique which we need more of we don't need more grey brown shooters yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, there are two more characters we have yet to do and then we're done Uh, and that is McCree and Lucio one who is grey and brown and one who is bright and colourful. Hey, <laughs> Let's do grey and brown first. McCree, uh, he's... Uh, it's high noon. Yeah. McCree is, McCree is the Im- immigrant from StarCraft, bizarrely, because they, if you, he's, he's one of these ones where he's a, a drawing of a cyber cowboy thing is somewhere in the StarCraft lore, mm-hmm. and they like the design, and it got moved over to Titan and then moved over to Overwatch. So he's been around as a character concept they've had for quite some time. And nothing's going to make you scamper for cover quicker than hearing it's high noon as well. Yeah. Oh, my favourite yeah. voice actor story. The voice actor for McCree plays the game. And what, oh, he right. does, what he does is he goes online and he mics himself up and he starts saying McCree's lines <laughs> to make people think he's doing the ultimate when he's not and so on. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> Terrible. McCree feels like a, a, a character, a little-known Masters of the Universe character called Rio Blast, or someone from Brave Star for me. Again, Brave this is Star, yeah, only going to hit sure. people uh, in their like late thirties, early forties. But uh, it feels like a lot of this, the cooler stuff in Overwatch, the cooler, brighter, colourful stuff from is, has been exported directly from the eighties. Lucio reminded me uh, most of. Um, do you guys remember Jet Set Radio? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's the rollerblades that have done it. He's a great, fun character if you can get the hang of him. Um, his wall ride is so much fun and really annoying on certain maps. <laughs> I can't remember that. It's 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 uh, it's the one where the points in the round room and the amount of times I have to go, <laughs> I have to go get a junk rat because he's riding those walls. It's stay still with me. Lijiang Tower. Yeah. Yes. The Lijiang Tower map. Yeah. The thing that I I. I don't understand about Lucio is apparently he's Portuguese. Is Brazilian. that right? He's Brazilian. Yeah. He's so he speaks oh, okay. Portuguese. They speak Portuguese yeah, in Brazil. That's where the Portuguese accent came from. Okay, good. But again, nobody knows what a Portuguese accent sounds like outside of Brazil and Portugal, apparently. And we don't know anything. He has not appeared anywhere in anything other than, oh, he turned his music into weapons to fight for what's right. And that's what we've got. Some of the music in the game is in universe supposed to be his oh, yeah nice. and there are posters for Lucio concerts in several of the stages and a lot of people seem to know who he is he's recognised by a lot of characters but mm. yeah we've not seen if he's opposes um Numerico the Symmetra is part of they 
they're supposedly the, uh, the the characters that are going at each other because I'm sure her cooperation wants to bulldoze you know Lucio's home turn into skyscrapers and Lucio doesn't want them to do that so yeah. he, him and Sumatra when they're on the same team will get quite frosty with each other in the lines they use but yeah he's not had a short he's probably prime target for one I suspect he's going to be if not next in the next bunch they'll do a Lucio one it just feels like yeah, they're the most likely because they, they've, got, they've got the music they've got a voice actor who loves playing the character loves being part of the universe he's, he's the one who vlogs regularly Mm. Him, him going to going to oh, I'm a blizzard today and he vlogs everything he's doing and he's really kind of embraced the fandom and he's lo- he just loves being part of it there's a I really love the the mix of uh, the the old and the uh, the young uh, characters so you've got the it, it, again it, it's tapping into that same thing as the force awakens had for it, passing on this inspiration to a new generation and some of them are making good decisions and some of them are making bad decisions and, you know categorically speaking they're making things bad for themselves and others that tension is again a, a story I'm never going to get tired of um, especially when the world is in turmoil which it is right now it probably would feel different if the world was just ticking along quite nicely and we were actually making you know quite a lot of progress ourselves it would feel like this sort of story was like oh it's, it's nice that you're doing that thank you it's 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 not you know it's, it's relevant to what we're doing but it's not as needed the fact that it is needed and especially how hard it is to get through to kids some of the important stuff just slipping it in during their switch off entertainment is smart it's a good way to do it Did you notice that we actually never said anything about McCree? Yeah, I mean, he's a cowboy. I don't know much else about him. He's so just there. (laughs) He is bland. I I read his comic, and all I can remember is it took place on a train, and he fought some people, and that was it. Damn it, I was going to say that. That, I was going to ask you if anything else (laughs) happened in that comic. I mean, yeah, he's he's a good guy. I was like, is this... This is the beginning of uh, Firefly, right? Mm. No, yes. three? Oh. He's doing a train oh. job. But, uh, yeah, the other thing we know about him is that Reaper recruited him to Black Watch and regretted it for some reason, and yeah, that's it. Ooh. Did he steal him from Westworld? <laughs> oh, nice. Does he There's have a no backstory? <laughs> if you go to the Route 66 map and at the start of that, Reaper might sometimes say, oh, this is where I picked up the damn ingrate. Yeah. Referring to, Re- referring to McCree. Right. Well, like I said, he is the most Johnny template of all characters. He is, uh, as in, like, he's just, he's the conventionally handsome white guy and uh, ha- seems to have not an especial over, uh, overabundance of pain in his past. If we get a short with him that puts his story in context, that would be great. But, I mean, how many have we had so far? Ten, nearly? Ten characters. That still leaves sixteen and counting with their uh, with any additional ones. And uh, extra credits did a really good video on how they can't just throw in an extra character. He or she has to be balanced against the other twenty six. And every time they add one new, it complicates things because it could be that one of the existing characters is either horribly vulnerable to this new person, or it can you know absolutely own them. It means that everything has Re- to be replaced by them. Yeah. It's the like, worst thing you can do when you add a new character is 
make another character redundant because they're doing the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like rock, paper, scissors, except it's rock, paper, scissors, candle. Massive uh, rock. <laughs> <laughs> large compass. It's getting on for the Pokemon levels of rock, paper, scissors, where yeah. this like, it's rock, Pokemon is rock, paper, scissors with 26 kinds of rock. Yeah. Ah, nice. But like a thing that, that popped into my head as soon as you said you don't want, not necessarily to make another character obsolete because they're doing the same thing, but make another character pointless because they lose immediately. Yeah. Uh, when they introduced Moira, it was like an indirect nerf to Symmetra. Yeah, uh, so that's what I was saying. Symmetra they're really struggling with. Yeah, because think... Moira's murder balls, they reach out and deal damage to everything that they and can. And they go through shields. And, well, they go through shields, but they also immediately destroy her turrets. Immediately. I don't wonder if they'll actually remove a character from the game, come up with a story reason to kill one off. Because oh. they may find that the only way that they that they, they can't do make Symmetra work without completely retooling the character. And they've tried that with Mercy, and they've had mixed success with that. So maybe the only thing they can do with Symmetra is drop Symmetra from the game somehow. Well, rather than dropping her, I have, think they like, do that. Revolve her character to do other things so that she's, she's Symmetra, but she goes through some shit. And you can have a short to explain it as well. Those those light constructs that she builds are kind of like the way that um, Green Lantern is depicted in the Injustice video games. Yeah. Except he's building giant hammers and machine guns and things with his, and Symmetra is just building these little turrets. Mm. Yeah, Feels like she's that's the, what change. She she could be. They they've, they've kind of t- tied themselves into thinking that Symmetra has to be this support defensive character. Mm. Because there aren't many support characters in the game, but she's not really been a support character for a long time since they removed the armor ability that she had. Yeah. And yeah, why not go all in and completely retool the character, make her go, through, have a short, make her go through something, and then have the character be completely different after that. So I think that's going to do it for the characters of Overwatch. We will be watching with bated breath to see if Blizzard capitalize on this in other mediums. Ideally, I'm hoping for them to announce a series of films and go up against Disney and Pixar and DreamWorks and Blue Sky and Sony. And uh, I, I think that they can they can offer something fresh and unusual in the uh, animated uh, environment because what they're serving up right now is not really what we get. It's much closer to uh, uh, an MCU. It's um, It's more like directly fun like Guardians of the Galaxy MCU but I mean if you use Guardians as your uh, your model for how to bring it in you, you tell the story of Overwatch you start with uh, Winston doing the recall and then you start working back from there and you, you frame your first movie with a selection of characters and then you give people a little taste of who'll be in the next ones and then that'll be all people will talk about you know, regards to, to that movie, and you'll get the word of mouth bouncing back off the game, and in, 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 you can have stuff in game related to the movies, and it's it just writes itself, and you just get cash money. I think See, I think biggest thing that's stopping them doing that was Warcraft. It's not yeah. the, the Warcraft. What I described was the polar opposite of what World of Warcraft yes, the movie actually was. was. But that was Blizzard making their foray into film. Fine, we'll do a film. It'll be really, really serious. No one will like it. There, nobody likes our films. Are you happy now? No, not really. Well, that is how the executive mindset works. Nobody went to see see Home on the Range, so we don't need to do 2D cell animation anymore. Good thinking, Disney. Sit down, Jeffrey. 
He was gone by then. <laughs> he was gone. He was making fun of Disney with his d- dream work. But while I don't see Blizzard going the way that you said, I would be brilliant if they could do it, but they're not gonna, like as sad as that is. <sighs> but it's really great, the method by which you, you've pointed out they should do it. That's how they do in-game stuff. That's how they reveal characters. That's when they how get it right. They, yeah, when they get it right. Like with Doomfist, they just started with like in-universe news reports, hmm. and then... Uh, well, the Doomfist few... itself was in the very first thing they ever showed, which was the yeah, fight the, in the, the museum. Yeah. Well, yeah. true, but that, I mean, as far as the, the character goes, that was a throwaway. Let's call him, I don't know, Doomfist. <laughs> like, when they decided they were going to introduce him to us, we got, like, in-game news reports and uh, talking Doomfist about... has apparently well, punched that, his way out of jail. Even before that, they revealed uh, Ify, uh the little child prodigy, with hmm. an in-universe story about how she won some prestigious whatever thing. Which then led into Doomfist, not long after Doomfist. Yeah, which, was the which reason led for into it. Doomfist. Yes. The, the, the two were very close moment. together. And, but they've and not done all of their really characters well that done. That's, that one works. For Moira, they did nothing. They well, just yeah, said, here's was, a new character, there you go. Wasn't, wasn't she revealed at BlizzCon? Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah you man. don't need a lead-up for that, it's BlizzCon. <laughs> but they tried to do a very long lead-up for Sombra. So this is before I started playing, how did all uh, that work? For Sombra, they were going to go. They went with an alternate reality game, you know, in our, uh, lots of hidden paper trails on the web to find clues to work out what was in. And they discovered that using an, an arc to market something that has to hit a specific date is super hard. And they ended up with the players were consuming the content quicker than they were creating it. Hmm. And so the players were like, "You're just stringing us along now, and you're killing all the hype, essentially." Yeah. So. They mismanaged that, but it was because it was a hacker character. They wanted, like, oh, you've got to find secrets on the website to learn about her backstory, and, and they set puzzles for them to recover and so on, but the players just blew oh. through that content very, very quickly, much more quickly than Blizzard thought they were going to. So they had, like, about two or three weeks' worth of stuff ready for the lead-up for BlizzCon, and the players found it and burned through it all in, like, two days. Whoops. So they had to sort of firefight that, and they ended up annoying people because they're like... Well, and then people were starting to try to find, dig deeper into Blizzard's website, start to find more clues, but they weren't there. But they were sort of hacking into Blizzard's servers to try to find these things that weren't there. <laughs> it all turned into a bit of a nightmare for them. So they really need to create a character that hates hacking and definitely doesn't like hacking into the Blizzard network. I think that on a long enough timeline, they might at least attempt to do a uh, Overwatch movie, simply because World of Warcraft never really had... What that what Overwatch has in terms of immediate, like straight away mass appeal, specifically to children, it absolutely changed the way people perceived MMOs. By no means was it the first one, but for years it made the MMO the new tough nut to crack. And so many people attempted to build World of Warcraft killers, but that was really before the evolution of YouTube and memes and Reddit and everything we have now which all plays in to its popularity they've already shown with the shorts i mean frankly they could just show eight of the shorts back to back at a film festival and people will go well that was a great film and just call it overwatch and just have it be episodic like that that in itself isn't a too bad a film it just feels like it'll be limiting if they only do 26 short films uh, so that's like two movies worth there is an alternative route they might take with this, which is something to consider, is they might go for a, a Netflix or Amazon original series. Yeah. I was thinking that JLU style. Yeah. Yeah. Because I can see Netflix, I mean, Netflix are testing the water. They're running a Castlevania show, which mm. I know you won't watch because it's anime. They commissioned I... a second season of that. So video game thing is not is something that Netflix are 
willing to do. Yeah. So I can they see also, them doing it. I mean, and they, they, they already have Skylanders. Of course, mm. Skylanders is a show that's on Netflix. That's Activision as well. I mean, I'd just be fine with them releasing a Blu-ray of the existing shorts they've done so far. They're that good. <laughs> I know they're free already, but I'd buy them. Anyway. Things are going to continue to grow for Overwatch. It's not going to be a case of, um, you know, that, well, this is here, and then they will just keep releasing expansions every now and again. This is something that's going to go on. You know, World of Warcraft is still going. Given the fact they've spent so much money on setting up a professional Overwatch league, Overwatch ain't going nowhere. Mm. I guess what I'm rounding up to is we may do another show on something Overwatch-related in the future. So, where can folks find your work? Start with Chewy. Hi, I'm Chewy. Oh, hi, Chewy. I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, hi, Alex. What a great story. So, I actually stream a fair amount of Overwatch uh, over on my Twitch channel. I do lots of video game Let's Play stuff on YouTube, and I have a podcast about Magic the Gathering, all of which you can find at whatever slash the Manapool, YouTube, Twitch, and themanapool.com is where you can find all that. And can I just say real quick to wrap up about Overwatch? Mm-hmm. I, I've never been a huge first-person shooter fan, but this game with its character and the way they've managed to take all of these tropes of classes and MOBA characters. I mean, there's even a guy with a hook like Pudge or Stitches or whatever his equivalent in League of Legends is and turn it into a first-person shooter and balance them all mostly properly and give them all such character. Like, he's not the guy with the hook. He's Roadhog. Well, like you said, it's not the this. medic. It's Mercy. It It's it's so wonderfully... I can't think of a word. Flavorful. Mm. Like, it's it's a delicious game to, to experience. The actual gameplay is fun as long as you turn off uh, voice chat. <laughs> Listen to the characters, not the players. My mother was exactly. a saint. <laughs> but I, I highly recommend, for anyone that made it all the way to the end of this and has never played, wait for a free weekend. They do free weekends uh, every once in a while. Mm. And and give it a try, if nothing else, just to listen uh, to the characters and whatnot. And if not, then go watch all the shorts. So... Oh yeah, no, yeah. About... Start off just by watching the shorts, and then when you love the characters, then go. Well, what? There's a game attached to this. Yeah, like I, I found out about this podcast earlier today, and I was like, "Can I be on?" And I was like, "Yes." And so, <laughs> how I get from, him? From the time he <laughs> sent me the messages, was like, "Here's when you need to be on, uh, in, online." I watched all the animated shorts. I watched all of the uh, other videos, the short, the, the story-related ones, and then I went and read all the comics. Hmm. And that took, in one sitting, that took three hours and, like, ten minutes. And I covered it all. Mm. And there's still more if you want to dive really deep. So there's 
plenty of stuff to absorb. And like every Blizzard game, it's got that, I call it Blizzard polish. Blizzard has insane visual storytelling in all their games. And it's all over the place. If you walk around the one of the Nepal levels, you'll find Genji's room. Sort of like Sombra's uh, room in the Castillo map. It's There's so much to find if you just walk around and look for it. And it's... Blizzard does this better than anyone else could, I believe. Hmm. So just just go go check it out. Please. If you made it to the end of this and you've still never ever consumed any overwatch one that's amazing and how, how are you here yeah <laughs> but i mean i'll be to be honest alex i've listened to your shows on things that i have no interest in at all so i can okay. see it happening a lot okay but just do it if, if nothing else just watch the shorts for god's sake watch the shorts they're brilliant mm. and be sure that that you have like tissues handy <laughs> and there's other stuff you can watch and be sure you have tissues handy oh I so well yeah I, mean, I didn't want to lower the tone sounds like you're the expert Chewy so Neil where can they find your stuff you can find me over on YouTube at youtube.com forward slash the kid dog where I go through video game history and game retrospectives as well this year we are going through Atari's uh, back catalogue of consoles and hardware so that's being fun at the end gauge, as we've said before. Oh, don't bring up the engage. <laughs> I won't, I promise, ever again. Bloody fanboys! Seriously, engage fanboys! How are they engage fanboys? Wait, is that a thing? Yes! I know! Listen, I there I'm... are dozens of us. Dozens! I've been getting shit in my comments about calling the engage a taco. Yeah. You shouldn't have done that, he's just a boy. Wasn't it, though? <laughs> that's the thing! No, because a taco often has good things in it. <gasps> oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. So, this has been us on Overwatch, and uh, this show was commissioned by Chris Finnick, so you have him to thank on that one. Nerf this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, speaking of Nerf, actually, if you guys haven't seen uh, Nerf... Uh, what's it actually called? I think it's Nerf Overwatch by Corridor Digital. Uh, yeah, it's literally just called Nerf Overwatch. It is incredibly entertaining. It's three and a half minutes of, of uh, cosplay Nerf madness and uh, hugely entertaining with very cinematic slow-mo and, uh, you know, lots of uh, surprises and uh, inventive moments. It's great. Their Reaper is basically just a bad skull Halloween mask and he's wearing a sombrero. And he has <laughs> two, two Nerf uh, rough cut uh, shotguns. And, uh, yeah, many, many darts get fired. It's great fun. Okay, so that's us on Overwatch. We shall be back next week. Thank you, gentlemen, very, very much to uh, Mr. Neil Taylor. Thank you very much. Mr. Glenn Watts. Thank you. And Mr. Jason Chewy Slate. No, no. Thank you, sir. I've been Alex Shaw. I've been Sharon Shaw. And School's Out. And the very best way to close out would be Mr. Gavin Dunn, The Miracle of Sound, with his Overwatch-inspired song, Get the Gang Back.
kids Fly in the frantic sky